the LCS spring split is over and at the end of the at the end of the day all top 3 teams went one and one against each other and so JNT and I have to go over the question who's the real number 1 team in the LCS right now it may have seemed obvious a couple weeks ago and it's really not anymore we also dive into talking about CLG and subbing in their academy uh their academy players is that reportable is that totally fine from what I learned on Hotline League tonight, there are a lot of varying opinions on this. And TSM, they end their streak. They miss playoffs. 18 splits in a row of missing of making playoffs comes to an end. Unbelievable. This is episode 79 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and Jay and T250. And before we get into things, I just want to remind people, if you have not subscribed yet, be sure to do so. And if you want to catch us live, we go live every Monday night right after Hotline League around 12 midnight to 12.30 EST or 9 o'clock to 9.30 PST on the West Coast. JNT, let's get into the who is the number, who's the number one team right now? Uh, because it's, like I said at the start of the show, it's not obvious, right? Yeah, it's not obvious. I think, you know, ever since Cloud9 beat Team Liquid in, what was it, week four? In the, the second round Robin of the season during week four super week, I believe it was when cloud nine beat TL. Maybe it wasn't like super convincingly, but you know, they beat them. That was the game. If you remember, uh, Bwipo was playing Jax and he was kind of running it down a little bit in the side lane. That was also the same game where cloud nine kind of turned that four V five Herald fight into like, they got rift Herald. They went three for one in kills and the game was pretty much over from there. Um, but I think if you take a look at it right now, you know, cloud nine, they've lost three of their last five. They are not looking as dominant as they were just even a couple weeks ago going into playoffs. And, you know, in terms of my personal overall confidence in Cloud9, it has gone down a decent bit after this uh, disaster of a final weekend. And I think a lot of fans are feeling that way. And it the thing is, it also, like, it doesn't help their case finding out that they went 0-15 in scrims, as Fudge tweeted out, which... For the record, we still don't really know if that's 100% accurate because it's Cloud9 and they meme the hell out of everything. So it's like, how do you really know when they're being, you know, truthful or not? Um, but I believe it now uh, because you could definitely see a different version from the Cloud9 we saw this past weekend or maybe even the last couple of weeks versus the Cloud9 we had been seeing for pretty much the whole split. We're definitely seeing a big difference. And now I go back and forth in my head on who I think the best team is right now. Um, for me... I actually think it is Team Liquid. And yes, I know that's the easy answer because they finished first. But the thing is, when I look at Team Liquid, I look at them and think, I don't know where the hole in this lineup is. Like, sure, they do make mistakes, right? And they've had a lot of throws in the middle of their games. But when you look at, like, how are you going to beat this team if, if you're 100 Thieves or if you're Cloud9, there's no obvious area where I think they hard gap TL. And I think that's the thing that, that that's why I after all this time, have come back to saying TL is the number one team. Yeah, I think for me, I, I would say it's, I'll use my same term as before, like it's TL by like a smidge. And I would honestly put 100 Thieves, I think, ahead of Cloud9 at this point, just based me off too. of what we've seen in the last three weeks of the season. Like 100 Thieves, they, in their last um, nine, no, eight games, are seven and one. Their one loss was their game to Dignitas on this past weekend in the Super Week, and it just feels like this team has become a lot more consistent. I still don't think they're as good of a team as they were towards the end of summer of 2021 because, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's not really a knock on them, just that 
Abadage and their bot lane were just, they were like the top players in their roles. And while yeah. I think they've become a lot more consistent and they've become a lot less mistake prone, like someday is like just picked up a ton of the heavy lifting on this team. Like someday is having probably his best season in the LCS that I can remember since like season eight spring and season eight summer when he was like legit putting the team on his back with similar performances to what he's doing right now. Like the one thing that sticks out of my mind is that like almost pentakill he got on Jacks in that one game where like he was just giga fed on Jacks, got like a one V four quadra kill carried the game for 100 T and like, we're pretty far from removed from that right now. And after like some shaky seasons from someday, you know, in season nine, season 10, the beginning of season 11, ever since this championship, you know, from 100 thieves last summer, he's just, he's on like full resurgence and he's looking really, really strong. He shut down summit like with ease in their Hella matchup, hard. like in their yeah. matchup this weekend and closer is just like, Closer feels like the same closer from last split. So it feels like you have the same jungler who's a monster and can carry any game with any champion. You now have a top laner who is winning his 1v1s in the bad matchups, in the matchups that are getting counterpicked. And then you just have a very solid and consistent mid and bot lane that aren't making mistakes and are still viable late game carries. And you look at these teams like Team Liquid and Cloud9, well, yes, I think they have the more individual star power and like okay, like, this guy can really put the team on his back. Like, TL, they have the Hansama, they have the Whippo, Cloud9, they have their Berserker, they have the Summit, but we can see, like, some glaring inconsistencies with these teams, and players have bad performances. Like, Whippo has not been playing very well, you know, these last couple of weeks. Summit had a really bad weekend this past weekend, just getting shit on completely by Malphite. And, you know, you look at the bot lane of Cloud9 as well, like, Winsome, well, he had a very strong middle of the season, I think was really coming into his own. He did not have a great weekend either. Yeah, I so I 100% agree with the win something. It felt like he started off slow, and then mid-split was like, okay, this is a really good sign if this guy's starting to pick it up, and then he had a slow end to the split. Um, for me, the whole 100 Thieves thing, why I don't put them on the same level as TL, and why I had them just behind, is because I'm not fully bought in yet. You mentioned the long win streak for 100 Thieves, but I am going to be the guy that points out that like that win streak shouldn't necessarily happen when you're down 10k to Golden Guardians, and like not all of their wins were the cleanest, but you could definitely say this team is starting to look better. And the worry has been the bot lane for 100 Thieves. It has been Abadake, but those two areas have gotten so much better in the, just the last couple of weeks. Two weeks is not enough for me to put them above Team Liquid, though. It's just not. As far as like, if you were to ask me which team I expect to be more consistent, uh, solid across the board, again, I go back to TL and it's not 100 Thieves. But if we continue to see Abadagi play the way he did, his Ari looked great, his his TF looked great, uh, even the bot lane, who he, his Renata game was great. Uh, what else? FBI, his Aphelios game, he was landing huge team fight winning ultimates. Like, really good sign out of 100 Thieves. Um but you can't play like mediocre for most of the split, have a couple of good weekends, and then just have me completely bought in. That's where like I struggle with that a little bit. Um, but I definitely can say that they are now, um, they're one of the contenders for the title. And I don't think m many people would have said that, what, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago? Yeah. And I think the, the important thing to note here is with you know, the way that these three teams, their season has sort of played out, like it's kind of an interesting dichotomy because like TL, they came out, they destroyed Lock-In, and they had a really strong start to the season. And, you know, you start at the beginning of the season, and you're like, okay, everything's going according to plan. TL is going to win this thing. And then Cloud9, all of a sudden, they get rid of LS. You know, they have this huge mid-game, they have this huge mid-season surge. 
where they, you know, fly up the standings from like third place to first place, you know, going on a huge win streak after they let go of LS. And you think, okay, you know, Cloud9 is actually taking over here. Like they have the better, like Summit is actually better than Whippo. Berserker is actually better than Han Sama. And Fudge is looking like really solid and, you know, not making a whole lot of mistakes. And this role swap is going all well. And then you round out the season with both TL and Cloud9 struggling. And you have 100 Thieves kind of surging back. And feels like we're, a lot of the questions that we had at the end of lock-in and towards the beginning of the split with FBI and Abadage's struggles, those questions are being answered, and now we have like a really competitive battle for first. Like, I wouldn't say it's one, two, three. I think it's like one, one point one, and one point two. Like, all three of these teams are very, very close. I think it is very interesting because I think the way that the way in these teams win, what am I saying the way that these teams win are all different from each other because TL plays this very safe and controlled early game to where they get their like they get their carries safely into the mid and late game, and they just. They are clearly the best team fighting team in the league. Like you, you saw that in the TSM game this past Sunday, where they're taking multiple fights in four v fives, where a, a person is getting initially blown up right from the get go, and they're just better at team fighting, and they'll win fights four v five. And you have this team like Cloud Nine that really snowballs through the early game and relies on Summit to get ahead, Blabber to get ahead, and then to steamroll the rest of the game. Whereas One Hundred Thieves is just much more like jungle centric mentality where, Hey, we're going to have winning lanes. So we're going to play for jungle and we're going to play for every single objective. Like we want to take every drag. We want to take every rift herald and we're going to win the game through that. And it's just three different styles of play that we're seeing be successful. And just right now, 100 thieves just is winning those games. So I don't watch, uh, well, I was going to say, I don't watch a lot, but I don't really watch any LS content for that matter. Have you recently like, or, or if you haven't, what do you think he thinks about all this? Do you think he's enjoying this? Or do you think he's like, well, you know, I still got a lot of friends over there. I feel bad for them. Like, it's such a weird situation for LS because you got to feel like a part of him at least is like, well, you shouldn't have gotten rid of me. But then there's also like, well, damn, he feels bad for what ro the roster that he truly believed in, clearly. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really been watching any LS at all. Um, I, I mean... It was pretty hard probably for him to like think any of that stuff, especially after like yeah. they got rid of him and then they started winning every single game. Like they went six zero right after they let go of him, like that weekend after. Like obviously that day on they lost to CLG, but after that they went six zero and they were the first place team. Now, you know, I mean I haven't been watching LS, but maybe he's now starting to say some stuff. It's like, Oh, I knew it, XD, but yeah, like I have, I'm not even going to pretend to know how he thinks about it. It's just an interesting thought to me to think about what he would say about all this I, like maybe i should be watching more ls content right now because it's probably pretty damn interesting as far as the games we saw this weekend uh is there anything you want to touch on there's a couple of things i wanted to go on but what about you yeah i mean i guess to sort of talk about 100 these and cloud nine um they did play each other this weekend um if you did watch the game it was it was a pretty funny game just for the fact that like despite summit like consistently dying he was still playing as if he had a lead basically like what i was saying during this entire game was if you watch the baos ffs this is how like summit is just like straight up playing the baos play style where he'll be zero five he'll be zero four he'll be zero seven and he's still going to do as much as he can to pressure in the side lane because he recognizes the fact that like, hey, my champion's actually really weak right now. So the best thing that I can do is try to split push and be a nuisance in the side lane to, you know, draw as many members away uh, from the center point of the map and go into the side lane. And I think it was kind of just at a point where Cloud9 was too far behind to sort of make a real difference to where that like play style actually mattered because 
I mean, at that point, like someday it's just like a walking sack of gold and 100 Thieves is just scaling up, like Disaphelios is just like scaling into infinity. And you saw in that game, like FBI was hitting like multiple um, Infernum R's, which were like, you know, he was hitting the crits, like they were dealing like, each ult was probably dealing 1.2k damage in total. And he's, any anytime the team's just got into a team fight scenario, like 100 Thieves was just too ahead. Like they were just too yeah, ahead. The 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 highlight the main takeaway from that game is summit running it down like you can't do that when you have three i think it was three ad ad threats from cloud nine into a malphite if i remember right mm -hmm. um you're not going to win if a malphite gets fed like that's a really big significant disadvantage but also i still need to give credit to 100 thieves because there was a lot of times that they are just punishing really well some of the plays Cloud9 is making. Cloud9 is invading their blue buff. They collapse with TFR. Closer gets a nice two-man kick, and it's like they're just team fighting really, really well. It's like, yes, C9 is making mistakes, but like it's still being played really well from the side of 100 Thieves, and that's not something you can overlook. And so it's like, okay, 100 Thieves, I'm starting to see you now, even though, like, yes, they had a win streak... Uh, after last week already but like we weren't that sold i was a lot more sold after this week so that was like okay man like this team's a contender like damn yeah um i guess the one thing that i thought was interesting because after the result of you know this game and then cloud9's next game against flyquest when kumo also picked the malphite into summits nar i believe was you know a lot of people i think the main prominent one i think was kind of Doublelift said this, and I think Dom also said this on his co stream, just like how Malphite is just the straight up counter to Summit's champion pool, because Summit's best and favorite <laughs> three champions to pick right now are Jace, Graves, and Nar. And he consistently draws, you know, two out of those three bands every single game. And that Malphite, you know, teams can just snap pick this Malphite into him because it's a great lane neutralizer against these AD champions. And while I think part of that is true, you know, I think you also have to, on the flip side have to look at and actually like go back and watch those lanes because Summit, despite him even in this game dying a lot of times, like Summit is still like winning the lane. Like I just think the main problem sort of well, he I mean he's winning the lane, but I think the problem resides around Cloud 9s like play style and that they've sort of reverted back to like whenever Cloud Nine was sort of collapsing during any part of the season, like whether that was season ten in summer or sorry, season ten summer or season eleven summer. Cloud9 would like would always pick these super greedy comps and sort of play in a fashion where they're playing these super face roll comps in the term that like they need to win their lane in order to be effective as champions because they're picking these very strong individual 1v1 type champions, which can lose a lot of power in team fights should you not be should you not have a certain like gold threshold. And I think Cloud9 right now, they're just like at least the way that they're drafting and playing is just super greedy. Um, with not using a lot of team fight setup, you know, they're having Blabber play, you know, they had Blabber, I think, play Viego three of their last five games, which is like a really anti-Blabber champion because he's always super active in the early game in terms of getting his lanes ahead. And Viego is just like a very hard farm scale up to like level like nine jungler so that you have like max points in Q. You'll usually have one item, one and a half items. And that's when that champion really shines. And for me, when Blabber's at his best, he is like the guy who's ganking lanes at level three, four, five, and six, and winning the game through early objective taking. And feels like Cloud9 sort of straight away from that. And you really saw in that 100 Thieves game them do a really good job of punishing Cloud9's over aggressions. And pretty much like, you know, they were set up for every single play that Cloud9 wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Did it's you, just credit um... to 100 Thieves because they were like, they pretty much knew exactly what Cloud9 wanted to do all game and were just like, nope. We're there. You yeah, can't do that. They outplayed them literally the whole game. Did you see 
the tweet that Fudge put out with Vega V2 talking about the supports was I think it was Core JJ um Vulcan and, and Huhi. Did you see that? No, what's that? I think it was Vagar. It was. It looked like Discord DM, so I don't know if Fudge asked first before tweeting it, but basically Vagar said, like, J is going to roam top, Vulcan's going to flank, and who he's going to int. Oh, I, I didn't see that, hilarious. actually. Yeah, and then, and then Closer, I think it was Closer, responded with, like, um, you guys are cringe or something, plus you're going to get smacked or something like that. Um, well, they definitely did, so that, that was pretty funny as well. Yeah, they got shit stomped. Um, just to talk a little bit about TL specifically from this, well, I guess not just this past weekend, from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bjergsen, we mentioned for a long time how like we saw him playing so much Zillion and just like Corky, like staying back and poke and like these slower champions. We've been seeing some playmaking on the Ari and like that was something we were asking for. Like, let's see Bjergsen make some plays. We're seeing it. His Ari looks pretty damn good. Uh, he did make the one mistake against Fake God where he took turret aggro and then he, get, he actually got outplayed by Fake God, which you don't say very often. Um, but other than that, his Ari's been really, really good. And so that's something that I think TL fans should be pretty happy about. Um, Core JJ on his roams. How many times have we talked about Core JJ in his roams? The one that stood out to me is like, I, I don't know if it was TSM. I think it was TSM. Yeah, where it, like, it was the TSM game. He knows, he recognizes that TSM has the drag time. Like it's time for TSM to take the drag because he knows that TSM saw them base or whatever and knows that they have no chance of, of contesting. So in his mind, he says, okay, I know Speak is going to be bot side doing Dragon. This is my time to roam top, and he roams top, and I think they kill Hooney. And so that's where I was like, that's just core JJ being five head again, like thinking about, like, they have to be over here. This is my time to make a play top. And like a huge shout out to, to him for that. And then the last guy is Bwipo. I actually thought that even though the last couple of weeks, Bwipo looked pretty lackluster. I thought this weekend he started to look better. I thought his Orn game was quietly really good, um, which is like, you don't normally talk about an like, Orn player popping off. But I mean, his ultimates were really effective in team fights, getting multi-man knockups. And I think pretty much being, I guess, not the only reason they won those team fights, but a big part of it. And so I think it's good. It's a good um, way for the season to end for Bwipo, who was having a little bit of struggles. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just think, you know, TL, when you look back at the schedule, when they came around on the second round Robin, their first three, their first, um, three of their first four games were 100T, EG, and Cloud9. So I think, you know, once again, you look at the schedule, like they had some pretty easy matchups to sort of end out the season. And I think, in the majority of scenarios, like they were going to win all those games anyways. And it was just the, the story ended up being sort of cloud nines dysfunction towards the end, rather than like TL making some big surge, because I don't think TL was like playing any, like they weren't playing insane in comparison to what had been going on in the middle and the beginning of the season. Like they were just playing like normal team liquid. So, you know, like I said, I think going into playoffs, like this is very much, three-headed race between these three teams and it's really close i think you could you could make a fair argument for any of these teams and you know i don't think you could like say oh like, oh my god you're crazy for picking 100 thieves or you're crazy for picking cloud nine despite tl being the first place team because all these teams are really close and they have really different avenues to win and i think it's probably just going to end up being how like these teams play against each other and how they're able to you know stop the other team's win condition yeah, the 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 best of fives for these teams is going to be really interesting to watch. And we mentioned how like, yeah, they look like the better teams, but I think T I think TL and C9 both lost to FlyQuest recently, and I think FlyQuest has looked pretty bad too. So all that saying, just that no team looks perfect at the moment, even mm -hmm. if we have TL number one. Uh, what are we doing next? 
Well, we'll go through our, you know, our other three teams that are in playoffs at the moment. Um, our EG FlyQuest and Golden Guardians. At the end of the regular season, before the tiebreakers, these three teams ended up being tied for fourth. Um, I would say, you know, in totality, it's a pretty accurate way that the season finished because I don't think any of these teams were particularly great by any ch- by any stance. And mm-hmm. when you sort of look at, you know, these teams, like they all had very volatile seasons. Like, e.g., they were coming into the season on high off of their second place finish at lock-in. And, you know, they really struggled to get out of the gate in the season. They started at two and four. Like even then, like they were five and seven before the last two weeks of the season. They obviously finished nine and nine and you kind of saw the flip side out of FlyQuest where they had a really, really strong start to the season beginning five and one and were actually, you know, tied for first. And then they sort of end the season out on a pretty bad losing streak. They did pick up the necessary wins in this past weekend to sort of guarantee that tiebreaker for fourth. And, uh, you know, you look at Golden Guardians, you know, I think, I feel like it felt like every single week we would talk about this team and say, "Oh my god, like the early game is so good, but like their mid and late, like their mid and late game is just like the problem." And you know, looking at these three teams, they all had pretty rocky seasons for the most part. And I think we're in a similar situation with the top three teams as these other remaining three teams in playoffs, where they're all very, very close in in skill level. And you know, all these three different teams have very different avenues to win. Golden Guardians is super early game focused. You know, uh, FlyQuest is kind of like very mid-jungle centric with like Jose Diodo and Takui basically need to get ahead for this team to win because their bot lane and top lane are kind of, I wouldn't like, they're not like, they're not making any plays. Like they're just there. Like, in no, that, they're not. They're, they're just there and kind of it's all on Jose Diodo and Takui to carry the game. Whereas EG is this much more like we're going to farm and scale and then we're going to hope our carries carry and Jojo Pune and Danny. Yeah, even though, like, I think these teams all do kind of belong in their own tier list, like, they are significantly a drop uh, below the other top three teams that we just talked about. EG, however, is, to me, the best team of the three, and they did get that fourth spot, so lucky for them, they actually do get the double elimination bracket. They, If they do lose against, I believe it's, yeah, it's TL, um, then they still are not eliminated in playoffs, whereas Golden Guardians and FlyQuest, they are if they lose one series. So that's a difference there. So I'm going to start with EG because I do think they're the best of these three. Um, look, you mentioned the whole season has not been perfect for them. It's been a little bit shaky. However, I do think that there's there's more good things happening with these te- with this team than the other two teams, I would say. Um, I think Danny is quietly having a really good season. Um, last, last year, we were all really hyped for Danny because he was a great team fighter. He struggled a little bit in lane. While I still say that that's still kind of the case, I do think his laning phase has gotten a little bit better, but I don't think that his team fighting has gotten any worse by any means. He's still dishing out a shit ton of damage, which is, I, I, he's probably the leader in damage. I'm not really sure about that, but he is the leader in kills in the league. He is definitely put, doing what his job is. Could he be safer? Yes, but that I don't think that would really be Danny if it wasn't, um, if he wasn't, you know, dying sometimes going, trying to make that big play. He um, is first, overall, just for the record. I looked it up. For, for damage? Damage percentage among ADCs, he is first. Oh, okay. I meant like damage per minute, but even still. He probably I, I is. Mean, it's 32.5%. Yeah, so ADs generally are the ones doing the most damage this split. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's ADs the one. Yeah. If he's he is leading first. in. There you go. So uh, that's a really good sign, right? Like that's what you expect out of Danny. And the fact that that has continued, because we saw it for one split last year and you're like, well, let's hope he can carry that over. He has. Does he have areas to improve? Absolutely he does. But I mean, I think you're more than happy with what you're getting out of Danny if you're evil geniuses. Um, With the Jojo Pyun thing, 
he still has a little bit more to work on. And I think like most of the things are hyper-focused on JoJo because he's the new shiny toy. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's why I think Danny's kind of being overshadowed a little bit. Um, with JoJo, I don't think he's at that level yet. And I think he is one of the main reasons that's holding this team back from being one of the top tier teams. However, I don't think it's him alone. I think you and I would both agree, and most people would probably agree that you should expect more things out of Inspired coming over from Europe being the LEC MVP. And I think that's another area where it's like, it's hard to say because, well, he's playing with a new mid laner, right? There's a lot of inexperience there. And maybe he doesn't get to do all the things that he wants, that he used to be able to do when he was in the LEC. And that's a really tough thing to judge. However, I still think we could see a little bit more out of Inspired. And that's where my criticism lies. Yeah, I think the whole, I mean, there's been a ton of discussion over the past two weeks about Inspired's level of play in North America relative to his, you know, previous split in the LEC where he was the MVP. And for me personally, I think a lot of EG's problems are surrounded in the mid lane. Um, do I think Jojo Pune is a bad player? No, not at all. I think he actually is a really great player with a high ceiling, but he is a rookie and he is clearly making mm -hmm. a lot of rookie mistakes. He's very aggressive in lane. He dies a ton in lane. If I had to, like, I mean, I would say this with a pretty high level of confidence that he probably dies the most among most mid laners, like in the early game, whether that's ten or fifteen minutes, probably like him or a Blaze Olive. Um, like it, like he just dies a lot, and I do think mm -hmm. that Inspired has had to do a lot of damage control in the mid lane, and I do think that does sort of affect his ability to play the game when he does like to farm. He's a very farm heavy jungler, especially in the early game, because you'll constantly have to see him come to mid lane, whether that's to to gank for JoJo or to help push his lane out, or to help control the wave after, you know, JoJo potentially has made a mistake. So I'm currently, I'm not quite, I'm not fully bought into this notion that Inspired, you know, isn't that same player or can't really reach that same level. Because if you look at the start of Lock-In, I feel like he was at that level. And yeah. when JoJo was, you know, f you know, really succeeding, like Inspired was also at that same level and, and was playing really, really well. So I think on the flip side to that point, like EG's, like, my vision of EG, I feel like, is being shadowed by their, like, second-place lock-in performance, which was really, really good. Because if I think if you scratch that out from my mind, like, I, I don't even think EG is, like, the clear favorite of these two teams. If I had to pick a, a clear favorite to, to put behind them, or, like, a team that would be, like, right there with them, I think it's Golden Guardians. And yeah. I know, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, this team really struggling in the mid and late game. Um, I mean, rightfully so, because if they are the best early game team in the league, and I feel like that's a kind of surprising thing to say because you have these teams that are having really great early games like a Cloud9 and like a Team Liquid. Like Golden Guardians is the best early game team in the league. I know we, we threw that stat out there at the beginning of the season when we're like, oh my God, like, ah, wah, wee wah. But like, you know, it was Gold Funnel Strat. Like this thing's going to all balance out. Like you're going to see the better teams take over. Like, no, it still stayed true that Golden Guardians is the best early game team. And, you know, if I hadn't seen this, like if we, because like we know what EG can be because of lock-in. But I feel like if we didn't see that, like we would be we would talk we would be talking about them in a bit of a different light. So I think yeah, you know you, you would can't have Golden Guardians ahead of them. Yeah, I, saying, I, right? I just if I'm EG, just you can't sleep yeah, on Golden, Golden Guardians here. Like that yeah. that's the that's the main point. It's like you can't sleep on Golden Guardians because yes, like obviously you know they don't have the best record against some of these top teams. Um, I think they're they're zero two against Cloud Nine. They're one and one against TL, and they're one and one against One Hundred Thieves. Actually, I mean that's not even that bad. Saying it out loud. But, uh, you know, <laughs> point being, don't count out Golden Guardians in this race. Yeah, like, the thing is, it is so... This is probably the toughest team to put your finger on because of how good their early games are, but because of how many times they've shown they're just going to fucking throw the game, man. 
it is actually amazing. It really is amazing that they could be this good of an early game team and throw so many leads. I don't trust Licorice with a lead. I've said that many times. That continues. Um, God, his cannon was pretty freaking bad this past weekend. Uh, wasting Hourglass when trying to flank. Also, his flanks were bad. Wasting Flash when he didn't have to. Like, that is so crucial if you're playing cannon. The build was questionable. To to pull up to... What's that? The build was also questionable. There was a yeah, lot of, like, people a, were kind of flaming yeah. the Riftmaker. Yeah, Sneaky went pretty hard on the build, um, as I would expect a TriCast to do. But, like... Yeah, honestly, I, I just don't trust Licorice as much as I do like Licorice. I don't trust him to be able to perform late game. Um, it's You know what it's like with this team? It's it's like, fool me once, and then you will fool me twice, and fool me three times and four times, and it's like, well, how many times are they going to fool me? Because you know I've said to you, like, I think this is a good team, and when we power ranked them not too long ago, I think I had them third. You did. Um, mind you, I did say, with the caveat, I did say that, like, well, you know, like, even though I have them power ranked third, I don't think that they are as good as a third place team should be. And that's because of the inconsistency. It is so freaking hard to pinpoint this team because I can look at all the players, maybe in, outside of um, Ole and Pride Stalker, but I could see some serious weaknesses in, in Licorice. I, I just mentioned his. I, you could look at Olive. Olive was always trying to get vision when he shouldn't be and always wasting his, his, um, his stopwatch or having to flash and then dying right after or, or lost. I don't think you can rely on him to be a late game carry either. Like There's so many times where he's getting picked off uh, when he's the guy that needs to be doing your damage and you just have no damage dealer in team fights. And so I don't know what the hell to think of this team. I still love them. I love the team, but they make me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I think, you know, we said at the beginning, like EG winning out on those tiebreakers is a massive advantage over these other two teams. in the fact that they are able to, should they lose a team liquid drop down to the lower bracket. Um, and they get a free best of five against a really good team. That is exactly. that's good practice, like, right? That's, like, that's just really important. Even if 100%. they are very likely to lose it, and, and who knows, maybe they do win it. Maybe they get an upset. But let's say even if they are very likely to lose it, you can get something out of that, and that's that's really valuable. I would say though, I think EG's chances against Team Liquid are much much less than against C9 or 100 Thieves. I think mm -hmm. TL is a really bad matchup for EG, um, and they actually they don't match up too too poorly against either C9 or 100 Thieves. So I think, you know, EG is, they, their, their chances are a bit reduced with C9 falling out of first place. Let me see. Now, when it comes to FlyQuest, you mentioned the 5 and one start, and, like, we can't forget about that. I know we've mentioned it many times, but you can't forget about that when a team starts 5-1 and one, and they end up 10-10 and 10 after tiebreakers, of course. 9-9 and nine before, I guess. 4-8 mm -hmm. um, and eight in their last 12. I, I know they beat Golden Guardians in the tiebreaker, but I'm still convinced that this is the worst team of these three. Um, where should I start here? I, I've mentioned many times over the, over the since we've done this podcast, it's almost two years now that we've done this podcast, I've mentioned that Aphromu has consistently been one of the most underrated players. However, and I even mentioned at the start of this split, but however, recently, Aphromu has not looked good. A lot of times his engages are like after their team, his teammates have no cooldowns to follow up or there's just no world, in, no world where they can even follow up, even if they did have the cooldowns. And so I've been pretty disappointed with Aphromoo lately. And also, Takui is dying a lot lately too. Takui was a guy that was absolutely smashing in laning phase early on in the year. Like his laning phase was great. He was really aggressive. He was pushing. He was getting a lot of vision to help Jose Diodo. And now it's like, it feels like teams have found a way to expose Takui by ganking him and he's dying a lot. And like, these are two players that I had so much confidence in at the start of the split and I've lost confidence in them 
And I really, really hope they can bounce back because they don't have a lot of time to do that. They're yeah. running low on time. They've definitely been struggling. And I think, you know, you could easily argue that, you know, they should have lost that game to Golden Guardians in the first tiebreaker. I think, yeah. you know, Golden Guardians made a lot of mistakes. Um, Licorice especially, you know, he, he was the big, you know, team fighting force that was going to turn the tide in that game. And he was ahead on the cannon. He was winning lane. He did the Riftmaker build. And you kind of saw multiple times in that game him just being so close to being in range of Johnson to be able to try to blow him up in a team fight, or just that like little bit out of range of just connecting with a big multi-man stun because he didn't have that extra gap close in the proto belt. And you know, he probably is gonna look back on that game and be like, oh wow, I'm like a bit of a fucking idiot here. Cause if I if I build proto belt, we probably win this game. And like that's no meme. Like he probably builds that item, they'll probably win the game. Um, I mean, he also had some bad positioning at other times and, you know, not going in or not being where he should be based on where the other team is posturing. But to go on the more positive side for the FlyQuest in this roster, I think Jose Diodo has just been, like, flying under the radar this whole season. Like, I've actually been really impressed with, with how he jungles, especially in the early game. I just think that uh, similar to how I talked about Inspired and, you know, sort of having to do damage growth, damage control i think jose diodo has to do a ton of damage control on top and bot lane because kumo is struggling their bot lane is struggling i think you know after Mu was probably the flyquest best player him or takui at the start of the season when they went on that five and one you know start because after was making plays everywhere and now he's he just kind beast. of he's just consistently dying in the early game and yep. you do see jose diodo in the majority of games actually get out and get an early game lead get some successful ganks off mid or top or even bot and then you know they kind of hit this like mid-game lull where the majority of the time, Jose Diodo, he, like he's been playing a lot of Viego recently, so he doesn't have a ton of agency, and he's kind of relying on his team to do, you know, a lot of the setup and the playmaking for him, and they're failing at it, and you know he's just can't really do too much because he's not playing these super, he's not playing these like super early game and team fight champions as much. Um, so I think. You know, Jungle is probably the strong suit of this team. Uh, Takui as well. I mean, he has been struggling a little bit lately. He has been dying quite a lot in lane phase. Um, so I think if they can sort of get mid lane back on track and Jose Diodo continues the level of play, I think FlyQuest, like, they got a chance. If, if you know, one of the teams from the upper bracket drops down, like, I wouldn't say, like, you know, they're going to lose 3 to any team that drops down to them. Like, they got a chance. And, you know, you, you can't really count them out either. I don't think they're at the level of Golden Guardians and EG. I think they are like a definitive step below them in terms of where they're at. Um, but I don't think they're terrible by any means. And I don't think they'll just get like hardcore rolled. Yeah, I agree with the notion that they have a chance. Um, if, if I'm looking at these three teams, I think they have the lowest chance of making a run. And for me, the, the team with the highest chance is actually Golden Guardians. Now, I know that's going to be like, oh, but Blue Jay... You just said that they're the best or that EG was the best of these three. And while I do think that's true, I do think that, as we mentioned many times, man, if Golden Guardians can actually learn to close out games, they're actually a powerhouse in this league. Now, let's be, let's be clear. Powerhouse. That's that. a strong word right there. Why not, though? Why not? If they have the best early game in the league, how are they not a powerhouse if they learn to close out games? You know what I'm saying? You're saying that Golden Guardians is the mitochondria of the LCS. I don't know what that means. Isn't that like cells and shit? Dude, come on. That is like an OG I meme. French. I learned this shit in French. The, the Mito, whatever. That's a meme? Dude, they even said this. In, dude, you're a FlyQuest content remember. watcher. They said this in their last video. Oh, I don't remember. Dude, come on. This it is like... Just whoosh right over my head. I love the FlyQuest content too, so it probably just went whoosh right over my head. Okay, quick side note. Like, 
that video was like pretty funny, but it was kind of like they were taking. Okay, for the people that don't know, which one? The which one, one where they were taking a GED test. It literally came out today. Oh, I watched I didn't it. Watch it. Yeah, I, didn't I watched watch it this yet. morning, dude. Oh, okay. Like, I I know like the GED is for like people who don't finish high school and they like they take it as a replacement for a high school diploma, but like. I I feel like I like obviously I finished high school so like the, the questions are just so fucking easy like how do you not pass this thing you know what I mean but like I guess that's because I finished high school but like that was one of the questions like what 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 is described as the powerhouse of the cell even well, to see I would have I would have learned that shit in French and also I freaking hated science in the first place honestly uh, so I I hated biology and chemistry I hated them I hated biology I was, I was good at chemistry though anyways anyways. Um, yeah, I, I think that for for the the long shot for for one of these teams to make the long shot run, I do think it's Golden Guardians. Even though as uh, an average, I do think they're they're the middle team out of these three. Yeah, um, I think I would have to put EG just because we have seen this team at full strength, so we have that idea. You know, we've seen it for Golden Guardians on like kind of a game to game basis, but for EG, like we did see it for an extended period of time in Lock In where. Hey, like they smacked everybody until they faced TL and then got smacked. So I think if I had to pick a team, like okay, like if they can make finals, it would probably be EG only because I've seen it before. And the and the thing is, I'll remind, I'll say it again, but like they get, they could make a run in the upper bracket. You know, like yeah. they have that really big advantage over these other two teams. But yeah, okay, JNT, what's next, buddy? Well, one of I guess, what would you say, our favorite topics or, you know, just topic in general of academy teams? Because you know us, we love our NA academy. Yeah, so I don't know how you're going to go with this take, but I could tell you, I, this is the one where I went with, I went on a long rant on Hotline League tonight, and I'll just tell you, Jay. So is that what you called was, in for? Yeah, I did, I did. It wasn't the, it wasn't the TL MVP the thing? No, I saved that because MVP is not being announced for a while. Um, and also, I just, honestly, I wanted to go with a hot take. I haven't gone in with like a really spicy take in a long time, and I knew this was going to be controversial. Um, and I, I just wanted to create good discussion, so I went with this one instead. Um, and I had everything for you saw Skizzy at the start of the show was like great take on Hotline League. Blue well, what Day, was it? Because I, I I didn't listen, so you... oh well, I, it's a long one. Okay, so st stick with me here, guys. I'll try not to do the whole rant that I did on Hotline, but here's the take. So I said. CLG subbing in for CL, CLG or subbing in CLG Academy for the last game of the split just sucks. Fans are often sold the idea that this is a competitive league. Uh, this decision makes me feel otherwise. A lot of the decision uh, discussion around this topic is about how this affected other teams in the league. But for me, that is such a small part of why this sucks. It mostly sucks because these teams should want to win at all costs. Um, where is the drive for teams who want to win every single game? And why should I bother caring about CLG if they don't want to win absolutely every single game? How will North America ever become competitive if we don't learn to hate losing? And I went on with some, I added some things saying basically like, um, I understand that the CLG coaching staff is, they have good intentions here. I think they look at their academy team and say, you know what? Our academy team had a good split. We want to reward them. However, I don't think it's that simple because for me, I think you're kind of punishing Luger and Poom who also deserve the stage time. The stage time is really valuable and those guys have been playing great considering they're on a trash team. And so I, I just, I cannot stand not trying to win. And I think that's a big reason as to why viewership drops off 
is because the league just isn't as competitive and not being hungry to win drives me nuts. JNT, how many times do I quote Herm Edwards to you on like a yearly basis? You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I say it all the time. I love that quote. I'm going to always say it. It drives me nuts that they're not trying to win absolutely every game. And a lot of people really disagree with that. But that, that's, uh, there's a lot more I could say, but that was the gist of the take. And there was a lot of like, keep ranting Blue Jay. And there was a lot of hang up. I had a guy, JNT, tell me, can you please stop calling into the show? And I'm like, oh my God, man. Like this guy, like what a nice thing to say. <laughs> Um, but then I, I ended up because I'm a mod in that chat. I would never ban someone for that or anything. I, like I don't ban anyone for that matter. But I went and looked at his like his chat history and like he was, Blue Jay hater? Peter, he was no, he was flaming Peter Dunn for calling in and saying that JoJo should be um, on the All Pro team. And I'm like, well, like he's the coach. Like he's just making an argument for his player. Like who cares? And he also said like. Uh, what did he say? Peter Dunn's oh, yeah. office how, rocker. How is this coach? He's like, how is this coach calling in right now? He should be trying to make his team better right now. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like they never have any time off or anything like that. Like, what a waste of time calling into Hotline League for the coach. Anyway, <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, it's one of those guys looking to hate everything. Yeah, so, I mean, JT, what's your thoughts on it? Here's my thought because, you know, I'm definitely kind of in agreement with the fact that like you know, teams should want to win. Like, I know from CLG's point of view, like, they're out of the running for playoffs, and you want to, like... This situation is a little bit more understandable from the stance of CLG because their academy team is actually a good academy team. Mm -hmm. Because they finished first place, they are going to move forward onto proving grounds, which is very important for the academy slash amateur scene. So from CLG and CLG Academy's point of view, I think it makes complete sense for them because they had the best academy team. They have this proving grounds run that they're trying to go on and they did want to reward, you know, their players for having a good split. And I think that's totally fine from their academy point of view. However, you know, if you're people on CLG and you're, you know, members of the CLG LCS team, and you're not Luger and Poom. Like you say, like it probably sucks for Luger and Poom because they were looking really good. But I think at the at, on the flip side, like if Palafox, Contracts, and Jenkins are thinking about their long term, like their longevity in the LCS, like they need to go out and prove that they're good players and that they're worthy of being on a team for next year. And now you just have one less game for you to be able to do that. So from the LCS like team's point of view, like I think they're you know these these players need to speak up about this. Because yeah. unless you're like a, a really, really like top team and like it literally doesn't matter at all for you, like I can understand in, you know, scenarios where let's say it's the first place team versus the last place team and it has literally zero in playoff implications whatsoever and they want to give their, you know, their LCS team the day off to prepare and work towards playoffs. That makes a lot of sense and that's really understandable. Whenever you get into these scenarios where teams are subbing in their academy teams that have playoff implications, and, you know, for those who didn't know, like, that was a must-win game for EG in order for them to create this tie for fourth place to then play tiebreakers against Golden Guardians and FlyQuest. And from the rest of the league's point of view, and even from Golden Guardians and FlyQuest's point of view, like, hey, man, like, we had to play this team at full strength, and we, we, need to, we needed to get that win to be where we are right now. And, you know, you know presumably EG got an easier road against CLG Academy, like, even though they're, they're the first place Academy team, like, they're probably still a decent team relative to mm -hmm. bottom-tier LCS teams, but Golden Guardians and FlyQuest, they had to play CLG when CLG had their main main roster, and they had to earn that win, and you could argue that, like, EG didn't really have to earn that win. Like, 
because like let's be honest like clg academy played pretty bad that game like they went for a they really played, like trash they, they went for a really high risk high reward comp with the vein top they did. but you know they really didn't play around the vein top at all i mean dokla was making some pretty bad individual mistakes in that game so like they just got rolled um but you know i feel like these other players that are on you know if you're the player getting subbed out you should be angry and upset about this and be vocal about it and if you're the other team who's now affected by this decision from CLG, like a FlyQuest or a Golden Guardians, because like their playoff seedings were not necessarily hurt because they like they had to win tiebreaker games in order to do that. But, you know, one of them wouldn't have been dropped to sixth place. If EG loses that game, EG's sixth place. And, you know, they should be, you know, up in arms about like, well, what the fuck? Like we we EG just got a free win. That part doesn't really bother me as much. I mean, it's, so it does a little bit still, honestly, because I think it does kind of ruin a little bit the integrity of the league. However, like, I don't think CLG owes anything to the other teams. Uh, same thing happened with 100 Thieves last year. Like, 100 Thieves benched there, and, and I, while I still don't like I still hate it. Like, I don't think these teams owe anything to the other teams. For me, it's more about, like, it ruins the, the thing for the fans, and this league does not exist without the fans. So, like, the games are just a lot less interesting. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, I do believe that you should be allowed to start any roster. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Was you either have to be on the side of one game matters or one game does not matter. And when I had, I didn't have time to get to this on Hotline League because, you know, there's four people talking. Um, so they, I think Travis and Mark, maybe Steve as well, I don't remember, were saying like, you know, well, it's only one game. It's not the end of the world. Well, it's like, well, if the game doesn't matter, then why do you have to sub in the Academy players in the first place? If, the ex if it doesn't matter, then it's not real experience. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, no, the game does matter. And for, that's where for me, Luger and Poom, who have been playing great and are the guys that you're going to be building your future roster around, presumably, I think those games still matter. Like, yes, they've played 17 other games. Give them an 18th. These are the guys that you, you should be saying, look, we've got something here. I want to build around this. I want to give them every single piece of experience I can because it's really, really valuable for them. And I feel like if I'm Luger or Poom, I'm like, dude, like, come on, man. Give me this stage experience. Like, you never stop wanting more. You shouldn't lose your competitive drive just because you got knocked out of playoffs. Think about it in traditional sports, how often teams love to play spoiler, right? Like, you want to screw over the other team that you're playing less because there's pride there. It feels like there's such a lack of pride in trying to win. That's what drives me nuts. And that's where I go to the Herm Edwards thing. And it's like, he is 100% right, and it applies right now. You play to win the game, and if you're CLG management or coach, coaching or whatever, you should be putting in the best lineup to win. I think you owe that to your fans, and clearly not a lot of fans think that. A lot of fans are really happy with them subbing in their academy squad. I do want to be like fair to the other side of the argument. For me, I just don't see it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely there with you on the Luger and Poom thing. I just will reiterate, like, you know... It as much as Luger and Poom should be pissed because like, you know, they're playing well, they deserve it and they're they're building towards the future. I still think that if you're if you're a Jenkins, if you're a contract, if you're a Palafox, it doesn't even matter if it's those players right now, it's players in the past who are struggling and have things to prove. They need that time to be able to go out and prove it. And, you know, I, I would be, if I was those players, I would be pissed because at this rate, I don't think any of those players really warrant an LCS spot for next year, just based off of what I've seen, because I think, you know, there are better options that you can probably get um, that are in NA, in NA Academy or that are elsewhere, whether it's importing from, from Turkey, you know, whether it's importing from LEC, whether it's, you know, Korean or Chinese imports, like the majority of options are going to be better than those three players. And those three players need to go out and prove themselves. Like they're at that point now, like, sorry, you're on a, you're on a ninth place team. 
for Yarn an eighth place team and did not look very good at all. Like you take Luger and Poom off this team, like this team's dog shit. Like probably the worst team yeah. in LCS. Probably, yeah. And for me, honestly, I actually wouldn't have been upset if they if they subbed out top jungle and mid only. I would have been a lot more yeah, okay. Yeah, that would have been fine. Because if you're thinking big picture and you're thinking what's best for our team in the long run, it should be what's best for the guys that we're going to build around. Because for me, it seems pretty obvious that you should build around Luger and Poom. That, I mean, if you talk about having the chance to prove yourself, Palafox has been in the league long enough to do that. Contracts has been in the league long enough to do that. The only guy maybe is Jenkins because he only played a little bit with TL, but he still played all of this split. And none of those three guys really looked particularly great. So I would have been okay with those three substitutes. It's the Luger and Poom one that really gets me because I, I think they deserve better. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, I, just to be fair to the CLG coaches, I don't think they have any bad intentions here. I think their intentions are good. I just think it's a mistake. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's about it. Yeah, I think so too. I think like you said before, like they don't owe any of these teams anything. Like They're doing right by their players. And while I'm always... I'm I've I've said this before like I'm against the notion of rewarding academy players like I think just that idea in general is just complete bullshit um but for in this specific case scenario with CLG being the best academy team and them going towards proving grounds later this year like it's actually important for them um so like yeah. it it makes some sense in this context um, but for the most part, like when I see rewarding academy players, I just think of like what a just cop out answer to say like, "Hey, we're subbing out these players." Yeah, it does happen a fair bit. But anyways, I just uh, realized. Let's talk. I, yeah, I put all these logos on the screen. I thought there was like I was gonna flip it later, but they're on the screen already. <laughs> you know, these are these are our four eliminated teams from playoffs. They didn't make playoffs. We said at the beginning, TSM their streak of making. Every single LCS playoffs is now over. Um, I think, you know, we, let's start out with TSM. Yeah, we like doing a post-mortem. We, we started, yeah. I don't know when we started this, but I think it's fun to do this. We, we basically ask the question, if your insert team here, and in this case, we're going to start off with TSM. So if you're TSM on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you with your season? Obviously, 10 being you're really happy, 1 being you're fucking irate. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> Jesus, uh, I guess I'll let you start, JNT, because this we're going, was we're just gonna, uh, we're a going rough to season. Straight up with the score. Yeah, why not? Okay, I think uh, I think everyone is going to be like, oh, it's obviously a one. I think, and I'll get, provide my reasoning for this. It's a two, uh -huh. and not a one. Okay. Because right. yeah, like this place for the majority of the t for the majority of the split, this team was tenth place, and they looked really, really bad. And while the although they did finish. Um, the season tied for ninth place. You know, I I kind of call them ninth place because they had the two zero head to head over Immortals uh, during the mm -hmm. regular season. Um, like they were they, they were just really bad. But my reasoning for giving them a two out of ten is because I feel like you know this whole LDL experiment and these these Chinese players experiment. We already know the answer to these questions. I feel like going in like when we we when we began the season, it was okay. Presumably, this TSM roster is going to be a developmental roster, and we're going to hope and see whether these Chinese players can sort of thrive in North America and if they can really turn out to be great players. And I think, unfortunately, those questions have already been answered in that I do not think we'll be seeing Shen Yi on TSM next year. I do not think we'll be seeing Kaido on TSM next year. So Next I th year or split? Next split, sorry. 
Okay. Yeah, good, good, good catch. Next split. So I think, you know, going into the offseason, I feel like TSM already sort of knows what the areas are that they need to fix. And that's my reasoning for giving them a two and not a one, because obviously like this was a cursed season. Like this was probably worst case scenario, but it is somewhat saved in the fact that I think this team has glaring weaknesses that are obvious and apparent. And that can somewhat be an advantage because you can spend the majority of your off season trying to retool this roster and fix these glaring holes, because it's not like, it's not like we have no clue what's going on. Like everything has gone wrong and we don't know what's happening and why that is. They do sort of know what the problems are, and at least they have now a lot of time to identify and sort of fix those problems. So for me, I went with one and a half. That's cheating. <laughs> That's cut, cheating. That is not cheating. Hold on. Hold on. That That's is not cheating. Che- why, why is that cheating? That's not cheating. I could give them whatever score I want. I'm giving them a one and a half. I changed now, mine. Mine's 1.97. Okay, 1.97 for JNT. Okay, so for me, I look at it as... What did TSM expect to get out of this roster? They mentioned how they were like sort of developmental, but they weren't a full developmental roster, right? You have Huni, you have Spika, who's the MVP. I don't think there's any world where TSM comes into this split expecting to miss playoffs for the first time ever. That to me is what puts them immediately down to a one. The only reason why I gave them that 0.5 is because they didn't finish dead last. So I gave them the 0.5 mm-hmm. because it still could be worse. They could have finished 10th. And honestly, up until, what, the last couple of weekends, they were going to finish 10th. It was pretty damn close. Um, It took a lot out of me to give them that 0.5. But again, I had to remind myself, well, they could have finished 10th. It could have been worse. But look, man, this is one of the most disastrous seasons any team can have. So giving them that 0.5 was really difficult to do. You lost coaching staff. You lost uh, your GM. Like at the Well, what was Parth? Was he GM? Whatever he was, you lost Parth in like two weeks or three weeks into January. Uh, you you brought Shen Yi down to Academy, then you brought him back up, and then there was Peter Zhang being let go. And it's like, holy crap, what a nightmare of a season. Um, I don't I don't know how much more to say other than this was a disaster, and I think that they are going to completely blow it up, which I think most people agree with. Yeah. Um if I was TSM and I was rebuilding this roster, um, I would probably keep Huni and Spika. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people would say, what about tactical? Um, because he does, I think the, the, the majority of the community is still of the opinion that this guy has a lot of upside. But for me personally, I never thought that he was anything special on TL. I just thought that he was a decent player playing with a lot of great players, which turned him into a yeah. good player. And unfortunately, I think this year he's gotten pretty exposed. Um, on this TSM roster with not having, you know, not having great supports. Um, you know, he's, it was a bit of a revolving door because he had Shen Yi, then he had Yurisan, now he's back to Shen Yi. Um, so, like, you, you can argue that, you know, he never really got and was given the chance to sort of synergize with a bot lane because let's also not forget, like, TSM in the offseason, like, this roster never once practiced together because they had a lot of problems. They, like, tried to set up a boot camp in China, and I don't really remember if they were even able to go or if they did go, but they couldn't get all their players there. But, you know, there was a lot of, you know, talk about this team and not, it not really working out in spring split, even coming into the season because they hadn't had a lot of time to practice together. But again, I don't think they were going to be this bad. Um, but if I was GM, I'd probably keep Huni and Spika and I would buy up whatever players I can in the summer split at mid 80 and support and try to sort of 
put together the best possible team. Now, obviously, the question is, you know, do they try to go after players like Jensen? And, you know, let's not forget, like, Zven is still sitting on cloud nine. And, you know, he's technically not, you know, playing in academy because of the way that the import rules work in the academy system. And they have Malice playing and they have King playing the actual academy games. But from everything that we still know, Zven is still heavily involved with the Cloud9 team. He plays a ton of Champions queue. He's playing in all the scrims and everything. So he's going to be a player that's going to be available in Summer Split for teams to presumably buy out. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have like a bunch of supports that you can probably pick from around the world because guess what? You're going to have your import slots freed up again with, mm -hmm. you know, Kaido and Shiny presumably not returning. So I still think that TSM can probably put together a playoff caliber roster if they got the right pieces together. I just think the problem is, is TSM's reputation is just literally, it's gone down the gutter. Like, it, if anything, like, the rep, TSM's reputation has actually had a worse fall off than, like, their roster and their play. Because it's going to be even more difficult now to recruit players to join TSM because, like, they don't have the Bjergsen, they don't have the Doublelift, and now they don't even have, like, the support staff and the coaching staff and, like, the credibility that they once had. Like, they're just a yeah. bad team now. And you have to do a lot of convincing if you want players like Jensen, you want players like Sven, or you want imports from LCS or sorry LEC or LCK to join your team. And Lamau LP goes basically talks a little in the live chat. He basically talks about what you're saying, and that was going to be my next point: is like you want to replace mid and and AD and support, but it's like who is available or, and who wants to join? Because he says, would Jensen even want to join at this point? And it's that's. That's my thoughts, right? And that's everyone's thoughts. Yeah, I mean, so I, like, the only thing that TSM has going for them right now is, like, they still have a lot of money. So They got money, right? And, and that's why I always fall back to the idea that they will not be the next CLG is because they have that money. However, um, I will kind of, I, I do want to say that there was something recently that we think we learned that might point to the CLG thing. It's a, it's a point in your, um, I don't know, how, how do I, you get a point, JNT, because you're saying that they're going to be the next CLG. The reason why I'm giving you a point is because recently Doublelift on his stream came out with the idea that all TSM players have to play at least five solo queue games per day, and that does not count champions queue. XD. This is what double now I just want to say this is a doublelift source, which you could look at that as someone who knows all the players and is a really good source, or it's doublelift and he likes to exaggerate and he's not exactly the most accurate in his stuff, and maybe it's a terrible source. So he did say that take... Speaker told him though, so Right. We we gotta take this with a grain of salt, but yeah, and, and that's that's the the new rumor, I guess we'll call it. And if that is the case, that is really, really grief to to say what I, either Medios or Sneaky said that. It's like that is not a good thing if you ask me i think that champions queue is hands down better than solo queue and is probably much better for for well for a lot of things for your mechanics and just for learning the game um so if that is the case i think that is a big uh-oh sign from upper management which is one of the reasons you could point at tsm and say god that is very clg of you to be very controlling in upper management and have like no idea what the players want or how the players feel about that kind of uh i don't know rule Mm -hmm. like that's troll um did you have any other thoughts on that jane because i when i heard that i was like well i still don't think this team is the new clg because they have a shit ton of money and they can always buy their way out they're doing some things that looks a lot like clg yeah i don't know like it just feels like you know presumably people who are classified as upper management usually are not involved in the day-to-day -day and the inner workings of the lcs team 
So if I were to guess, like they're probably just basing this off of like their previous checklist of like, okay, well, we've always done like a mandatory solo queue requirement and we're just going to stick to that. And one thing that, you know, Doublelift said on the co-stream that I actually thought was like, you know, once again, like Doublelift is kind of a joker, especially recently in, with TSM because he's had, uh, you know, falling out with them and there's a lot of drama between it. Right. But that, you know, the majority of people who are no longer on TSM usually were the people to stand up to, you know, the coaching staff, the general management, and the upper management and would sort of fight for the players, as he said. Like, those were the Parths, the Bjergsons, the Doublelifts. Like, those were, like, those guys who had such a long-standing relationship and a good relationship with TSM and whose opinions were very re well-respected. And it does feel like they're in a bit of a situation where, like, hey, they got a, a lot of young players, a lot of players new to the team, and, you know... The management above probably feels like they can control them, and, yeah, and nobody knows nobody knows being... LCS and you know the inner workings of the LCS and what's best for the team. Like it's the team, like the team knows what's best for them. And sure, like yeah. you can say like, well, the team is doing dog shit, so like changes need to be made or like restrictions need to be put in place or practices need to be set. Like at the end of the day, like the team is the team. And, like, they got to figure it out themselves. And, you know, if they're a bad team, they're a bad team. And, hey, TSM was a bad team. But I'll, I'll throw TSM a bone here. They didn't end the split off as bad as the majority of the split was. In their last five games, mm -hmm. they went 2-3. and three, They beat Cloud9. They had a pretty competitive game against Team Liquid. So, you know, like I said, I think if you were to sort of revamp this roster, buy up some good players, I think you could probably see TSM fighting for a playoff spot come next split. Obviously, depends on the quality of player, but you know, even if you ran back the exact same roster of Spica, Huni, Takeover, Shenyi, and Tactical, yes, they would still be a bad team, but they wouldn't be last. I think they would probably be eighth or ninth, um, and I feel like that's at least some sort of a positive sign moving forward. Yeah, that's some copium right there. Um, so I, I do want to I want to remind people that because it is double lift. It is obviously a very biased source. You mentioned like he doesn't really have a good history with TSM anymore because there's some bad blood there. So there's that. The other thing that I, I want to say is that he, just to kind of be accurate to what he was saying was he hinted pretty strongly that it was Reggie. Now, he didn't say it's Reggie that's making them play these games. He said it's upper management. You guys can guess who that is, is basically what he said. So for me, I looked at that and was like, oh, this is a Reggie thing. Um, I don't know. We don't know that for sure, but just something I wanted to throw out there just to be more accurate as to what he was saying. But again, you can't take it as absolute fact because it is double lift. Um, so yeah, 1.5 out of 10 for me. Uh, you gave him a 1.97. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, next up is who? Immortals? Yeah, we'll do Immortals next. Okay. Yep. They were, you know, they were tied for ninth, but you know, I I think. I would view them as the last place team once again, just because TSM had that 2-0 head-to-head over them. Um, this is where I am whipping out the one. I think you know, obviously, you know, TSM probably was going to be the team that got that one, but I'm going to have to give it to Immortals sort of by default here. Um, okay. It felt like going into the season. We said this last week, even like this was the team that I think us and the majority of people in the community was expecting, you know, to fight and push into that top six and, and fight these other, the presumable top five of C9, TL, 100 Thieves, TSMEG. And it felt like we got the complete opposite of that. I mean, 
They came into lock-in. They didn't win a single game. They looked horrible. They came into the season. They started off 0-3. and three. They, they did eventually sort of have a little bit of a bounce back. They made it back to 4-4, four and four, but they closed out the season going, what, 1-9 and nine in their last 10 games? Um, I don't think I could even point to a player on this team that had a good season. I think, you know, Power Vivo had maybe an average season by standards, um, but, you know, Revenge mightily struggled. Zersay was not as effective as he was last year. POE, he was all right. He did his job, I think. And their bot lane was just a fucking disaster. Um, they swapped between Arrow and Wild Turtle a couple times. Same with Destiny and Joey even. Joey got in uh, on Friday this past weekend. But yeah, this team looks like complete garbage. Um, this is this would be a team where I would say blow it up completely. Like five new players. Again, if there's, if that's an option, right? You don't know who's available and how it must be hard to get you someone to play for IMT, right? Like they don't have the money that TSM had. So for me, I gave them a two and you might say, well, their season was worse than TSM's. How did they get a higher score? And for me, again, I point back to what did what you say? Sorry, is. I just like zoned out. A I, sec. Said it's, I said it's a two. A two. Okay. I said I gave them a two. And I said, you might point to like they did worse than this was a worse split for them than TSM, you could argue. So why are they higher than TSM? I'm going to point to the question or the, the topic, if you will, which is based off of their expectation. For me, I think TSM had higher expectation than Immortals coming into the season right? Um, there was a lot of talk that TSM might not make playoffs. JNT, you said that there was a 50-50 chance TSM doesn't make playoffs, right? So I don't think expectations were as high as they normally were for TSM, but there was still expectations that this team could be good. Do you remember the discussion? This wasn't being pushed by TSM themselves, but do you remember the discussion like uh, Cloud9 was Korea and then, you know, China was LPL yeah, yeah. and then and then we're going to have our little mini worlds? Well, that just didn't come to fruition whatsoever. So like, that's where it's like the expectation for TSM was way higher than Immortals. Well, it did, but TSM just wasn't involved. You mentioned how, like, for this team, for Immortals, it was just, can they crack into the top five? And that was, a, that was like, hopeful, honestly. It was like, hopefully they can do that. So, and obviously they didn't come anywhere near that. And so I gave them a two because, again, it still could be worse. They got, what, four wins, five wins? They got five. They finished five and 13, but they were, like, but they were one and nine in the last 10. Like that is more of the issue to me is like when, when, trash. when, when you think of like, okay, this is spring split and we have summer and like the meme is like spring split doesn't matter. And yeah, to be honest, it doesn't really matter, but you want to build towards summer. And like, what is immortals building towards now? Like what player are yes. you rolling into next season? It's like, okay, like we need to change our approach or we need to change our focus or like, Hey, let's sub, let's get rid of this player and add this player. And that's really going to benefit the team and it'll benefit this player's strengths. It's like, Dude, like, Immortals, like, they probably had, like, like the worst overall, like, roster, just, like, performance-wise. The thing is, so, that is fair, because you're going into the next split, like, oh, shit, we're going to do this again? Like, it's, like I said, it's really difficult for them to find new players. However, you could... You could sort of compare them to Golden Guardians because they had a lot of throws. Now, let's be honest, the early game was not nearly as good as Golden Guardians was, but they did have leads and they did have games that they should have won. They just ended up throwing them as well. So there's a little bit of a comparison there. Um, the other thing too is like, if they were to go like one in 17, that's obviously worse than two. So like there has to be, if they get five wins, I, I can't, I feel like I have a hard time giving them a one. Um, considering they were they were barely expected to maybe they were maybe going to make playoffs, right? So to me, it's it's all comparable to what their expectation level was. Now, more on this team is like the, to, to the reason why they're down at a two is because right now this team is the new CLG at the moment, where like they do have all these veteran players. We talked about this before, and they are performing at the bottom of the standing. 
And then you had Revenge last year was his first year. That was his season to develop. You would think you would see some improvement going into this year. I thought Revenge just looked worse this year than he did last year. That's a problem. Um, their bot lane last year, their bot lane was bad. And I thought any change of their bot lane has to be good. Um, but even Race had some carry games last year. This year, their bot lane was even worse somehow. I don't really know how that happened, but their bot lane somehow got worse. And the other guy is PoE. Like, he was their best player, and he honestly did have opportunities to carry games, but he still just didn't. And so, like, even though, even though I don't give them a one, there's not a lot of good to look at with this roster. It is definitely a two uh, for me. Yep, I'm going to have to concur with revenge being straight cheeks <laughs> thank you for Ken in the live chat <laughs> idk for revenge or fake god worse we will get into that maybe a little bit later that, no we have to get that to that in a few episodes because well we're gonna tease it but i mean like yeah we're gonna worry. tease that in a few episodes you guys will know what i'm talking about in like five ten minutes or something um, all right we'll go clg yes. next um i if you've been a frequent listener of this show over the past split, I am low key riding. I'm 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 sort of on board with CLG a little bit, and I think most of it has to do with their bot lane. I think their bot lane's good. I think Luger and Poom are good. I think Luger is obviously the stronger point of their bot lane, and I think you know Poom still has some work to do. But when you look at this team, and you know we talk about expectations towards the beginning of the split, for me personally. I had this team as the worst place team. And I think I had, like, I can't exactly recall what I, you know, how I compared them to, like, you know, oh, like, you know, maybe they could be ninth, maybe it could be this. But, like, to me, they were dead last. Like, they were the team who was dead last. Their roster, you know, I thought going into the season was terrible. And that this team was just going to be, like, the easiest 10th place team I've ever seen. And while I do think, you know, even during the split, like, for the first four weeks of the season, like, they were tied for last place with TSM. Like, they were, what, they were one and six? I think at one point when TSM was 0-7 before they played each other. And, um, you know, there wasn't really a lot of hope for CLG because of how bad they were looking at the time, despite their bot lane success. But I do think this team sort of pulled it together a little bit in the, the mid and back half of the split. I think if if I do recall, they were 1-6 and and they ended off the season 5-13. and 13, So, like, what is that, 4-7 and seven over their last 11 games? Like, that's pretty good. Like, for a team that, for me personally... I had no expectations and no hope of going to the season. Yeah. I thought they finished out pretty good. So if I had to, if, if I'm picking a squad of ten with CLG, I'd give them a six. I think. Yeah, me too. They have clear. They have clear strengths and weaknesses on this roster. The strengths being their bot lane, and the weaknesses being contracts, just like you know, inting some like straight up inting some games, and you know Jenkins and Palafox's inability to do anything positive. I think. Basically, those two players, they're basically neutral negative players. Like, they're either going to go even or they're going to lose. And in the long term, like, that's just not a winning formula. So, similar to TSM, like, I think this team has identifiable weaknesses and can easily, and I shouldn't say easily, but should be able to retool their roster, like, if they want to make roster changes, or just even if they want to change the way that they approach, you know, the look of their team, like, there is a path to do that. And I think, you know, they ha they found two players to build around Luger and Poom. Like we we kind of said before, like if we were if we were working CLG, like build around Luger and Poom. And that to me is the main goal when you have a development roster. I also gave them a six because look, they finished eighth. Like you don't want to finish eighth, 
like that you don't want to miss playoffs but but when you're doing a development roster your main goal isn't to try to win all the time it's to try to find guys to build around we just mentioned they have two if you have two out of the five guys that you can now build a team around that's pretty good that that's not bad and, and the other thing too is a little bonus their academy team did finish first place so that that's a good sign for them as well so maybe they have other pieces that they can throw in now mind you obviously i mentioned i don't know 20 minutes ago i think they did it at the wrong time but you have pieces to build around. That is a good thing. And that, that to me is what you wanted coming into this. If they would have gotten three, I think they would have been over the fucking moon. I think they would have been fired up if they had three guys that they thought that they could build around solidly. Um, but two is good. And I think that that's something you need because I don't know. Remember the, I don't really remember the last time they had two players that they could actually build around. Um, two young prospects, that is, that you could build around. I don't know. When, when was the last time that happened for CLG? Dude, I have no clue. Yeah. Me like, neither. I don't even... I... Couldn't even answer that. So, if, and just for people wondering, like, okay, well, if it's good that they found their two prospects, why aren't you giving them higher than a six? Well, it's like, because your longest standing veteran contracts was still absolute trash. Your mid laner, who's had a whole season um, last year, was still absolute trash this year. Jenkins doesn't really do anything. Like, okay, he doesn't get smacked around like Revenge and Fake God and Kumo, but he doesn't really do much of anything either. So it's like, well, you know, whatever. Like, so there is like some reasons why, like, I'm a little bit more pessimistic and I don't give them the seven, eight, nine kind of thing. Um, but overall, I think they're mostly happy. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing is like they've found two players that they can build around. And when yeah. you're, when you're just a weaker team in general, strength, budget, organizationally wise, like, you are going to need to find those diamonds in the rough that, you know, yeah. will help your team out. And they're on the right track so far. Okay, so next up is Dig. I'll go first for this one because you gave all the other scores first, so I feel like I should send out a score first. For Dignitas, I gave them a six as well. Now, you could argue like, well, this wasn't a complete development roster and they still miss playoffs. How can you give them a six? This for me is a lot about sort of what you mentioned earlier, JNT, where it's like you can pick out the problem in this team. And for me, it's top lane, right? Like for me coming in, and remember from what you thought would happen at the start of the season, Three of your players were expected to be trash. Uh, it depends on who you ask, right? For me, three of them were supposed to, I thought Biofrost, who looked really bad in his last split on TSM, had a whole year off. I thought that he would look pretty bad. I thought that he looked great. Uh, who else? Blue, lots of people were down on Blue. It was like, why are you getting Blue? This was a guy that didn't perform well in the LEC. He looked great. Um, who am I missing? Even, even River, the thing is, River wasn't expected to be bad, but he looked great. And, and Neo, I don't think people really had much many thoughts about Neo, but even Neo was was pretty good as well. The only guy that was expected to be trash and was trash was Fake God. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, look, you miss playoffs, and you know you have a guy that is clearly holding your team back, but at least it's one guy. You know what I mean? Whereas TSM, you gotta you gotta pick a few guys or Immortals, you gotta pick almost the whole roster apart. To, to try to fix this problem. So I, I think they, even though they failed and they missed playoffs, I give them a six because I think it's not far off from making a fix and being able to be competitive in summer, which is just a few months away. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'm pretty much on the same line with you in terms of this team has one glaring weakness and that's fake out in the top lane. And I think apart from fake God, this is actually a pretty solid roster. Um, I was just kind of on the side checking, and I'm pretty sure I have this right. Dignitas is 1-7 against the top teams in the league, this split. Like, the top four teams being Cloud9, TL, 100 Thieves, and EG, 
They only beat 100 Thieves, you know. Actually, wait, did they beat 100 Thieves twice? Maybe I have this wrong. They might have. Okay, never mind. They're 6-2 and because they're 2-6, they're and six, sorry. Jesus. Because they did beat 100 Thieves twice. I just remembered they beat them in the first matchup and in the second matchup. But in the majority of those games, like, the game just almost turned to being unwinnable because of how behind Fake God was just in every single lane. Like, he is so non-competitive with the rest of the top laners in this league. You know, there's a lot of strong top laners in these top teams with Impact, Someday, Whippo, and Summit. Like, you know, top lane is a real problem for a couple of these teams in the LCS, but specifically Dignitas because of how strong the rest of their team is. Like, like I said, like, I was really high on River before he came into the league, and I think he, for the most part, had a really good year. I think Blue to me, was like the biggest surprise of the LCS this split because this guy was coming in like as the worst mid laner in the LEC in Season 11. And he was kind of viewed as like this guy who's going to come over and was just a quote. Like he was just, everyone said like, this guy's a waste of an import slot. Like why is this guy taking up an import slot on a team that really needs it? Because you, you look at a guy like River who was like, wow, this guy was like the best jungler in the PCS and could contend on a world's level. And then you're bringing in Blue, who literally can't even win LEC games. And you're like, imagine if they just got a different mid laner. Like, this team would probably be so much better. But actually, like, this guy turned out to be pretty good. Um, and their bot lane is just solid. Like, Neo and Biofrost are really good. Like, I think they are a little bit reliant on getting advantageous picks for their lane because I don't think they're, you know, they're not like... A, an FBI Huhi where you can kind of just give them whatever and they're going to succeed. I do think their conditions need to be sort of met in order for them to succeed. But when your top lane is just like getting shit on game in and game out and game in game out and the game is pretty much over by 10 minutes because, you know, tops died twice and he's down 40 CS and his entire tower has been taken without any jungle help. Like you can't win games and, you know, giving them a seven, it just means like, Hey, like fix this one problem. And your team actually has a lot of potential. You know, is it as easy as just, hey, get a better top laner and, like, you'll win games? No, it's not. But if they are able to acquire a top laner that could be competitive with the... I mean, I say competitive. Like, you just need to not get as shit on as you did against the Summits, the Whippos, and some days. Like, this team actually has a chance. Like, there's, this is a yeah. solid team right here. It's unfortunate so what, that they... you gave them a 7? Yeah, I gave them a 7. Like, it's okay. unfortunate that they ended up outside of playoffs because I thought this team was going to make playoffs. Like, they were 7-6... They were and six. Um, going into the last two weeks of the season, had a decent. I think they had a really winnable week seven where they were playing EG and Golden Guardians. Like, you know, the, if they win those two games, like they're in playoffs, and one of EG and Golden Guardians is out because they did have a really difficult uh, game on uh, games this past weekend playing C9 TL 100 Thieves. Um, so they finished eight and ten. But you know, in another world, like this team's a playoff team if Fake God's not yeah. griefing it. And I don't think their goal is ever to finish top one and go to MSI. And so that's why I'm a little bit more forgiving about spring. I think they would love to go to Worlds where it's like, do I think it's likely they're going to go to Worlds? No, but let me wait and see what kind of top laner they get if they find another top laner. Because I think the team can look completely different as you and I have hammered home pretty hard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll see how they look in summer. It's, it's not all doomed for them. Uh, let's talk about the All-Pro stuff. Yep. So we're assuming that the all pro teams are going to get announced next week they haven't explicitly said or specifically said when they're going to announce the all pro teams normally they do they say like oh we're going to announce all the awards here 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 they haven't done that but we're just assuming so 
I will, Do you want to list off yeah, for the I'll, listeners? Yeah, I'll read out the all-pro teams for the listeners. Um, we'll start with my list. I'll go, uh, I'll go roll by roll, so you'll, you'll get it. Um, top lane, uh, it'll be in first, second, third, obviously. Top lane, Summit, Someday, then Whippo, Jungle, Blabber, Closer, Santorin, Mid lane, Bjergsen, Fudge, Blue, ADC, Berserker, Hansa, Madani, Support, Core, JJ, Biofrost, Huhi, a Blue Jays list, same as follows. Top lane, Summit, Someday, Bwipo, Jungle, Blabber, Closer, Santorin, Mid lane, Bjergsen, Fudge, Takui, ADC, Berserker, Hansama, Danny, Support, Biofrost, Core, JJ, and Vulcan. Yeah, so where do you think the biggest surprises are? I feel like most people will be, well, listeners won't be surprised that I put Biofrost number one, but I, people that are new to the show will probably be a little bit surprised. Um, look, for me, I thought Biofrost had a really good split. I will admit, his past weekend didn't really look too good. I did feel a little bit bad for him, though, when he's getting Nautilus ulted into Ari Charm. Like, I feel like every karma dies there. However, there were some plays that he was making that were mistakes, like his Tom Kench, for example, engaging level two, not expecting his opponent to also hit level two on the wave, which you should be able to see. Like, there were some standout mistakes from this weekend. But for the most part, his season was amazing. Like, unbelievable. I can't keep talking enough good about Biofrost. His split was so good for me, and I actually do think it was better than Core JJ's. And... Also, Core JJ didn't play the whole split as well. Um, so that's something else that you have to consider in that he missed, what, four weeks, three weeks? I don't remember. Um, even regardless, even if Core JJ played the same way he has been for the whole split, I actually still think Biofrost had a better split. And I know that's going to be a really hot take for people. So you could take the spice and do what you want with it. He missed seven of the 18 games. So around two thirds of the season. Um, I still did put Core JJ ahead of Biofrost. Do I think that like it was by a very large margin? No. But I do think though, when Core JJ was playing, you really could feel his impact and like it was just like his presence is like, yeah, I'm the best support in the league and it's not close. I do think that, you know, that margin was made up by him not playing the full season. Um, I think should Core JJ have played the whole season, it would have been a clear number one. But you know, you can't disrespect Biofrost at all in this case. Like, you know, go back and watch these Dignitas games. Like, Biofrost had a really good season. Like, him and Neo, like, were doing a great job in lane, specifically on the Caitlyn Lux. Like, that was probably their best lane and consistently usually always won that lane when they got those picks. And, you know, one, one thing I'll just say in general about support is I was really surprised that, like, Thresh has sort of, like, completely fallen off the charts in terms of priority because a lot of supports, specifically Biofrost, was doing a great job early in the split with the Thresh. I do think part of that is because, like, Aphelios isn't his meta anymore, and, like, that's always, like, the it dream. It was pretty common. Yeah, duo. like, Aphelios Thresh is, like, the dream bot lane. Like, that's the best support to pair up with Aphelios. But, like, man, Biofrost's Thresh was also insane. His Lux was great. Um, those are like the main two champions that him, like for him that stand out for me. Um, I guess we'll talk about my list real quick, real quick, because the main thing that people could say or people would be like, oh, wow, like that's interesting. So I had blue third. Um, I think, and I've kind of maintained this position for the majority of this split, mid lane is not a, like this meta is really not mid lane centric at all. It is very top and bot focused. ADC and top lane feel like the two most important roles in the game right now. And it's kind of all about like, it's a bit of a balancing act in terms of, well, if we're playing to top side, we're kind of sacrificing our bot, our bot side. Or if we're playing to bot side, we're really sacrificing our top side. And, you know, some of these teams do a really great job in balancing that. Like we do, we're seeing a lot of, you know, if teams play towards bot side, they'll often use their mid laners TP early in the game to prevent these top lane dives from happening. 
um, and kind of like vice versa. You know, if you know people are playing for topside, we'll see the mid lane defensive TP get used on the bot side of the map if they're trying to force like four v two dives and whatnot. Um, so I just think blue like. Yes, he did have some sort of int moments during the season, but for the most part, like I think this guy had a really solid split. He was actually doing really well in lane against you know players like Fudge and Bjergsen, whom we probably just expected him to get rolled in. Like I said, I think this guy came into the LCS with some really low expectations because he wasn't a great mid laner in the LAC, and everyone was kind of questioning the move. But I think he really proved himself this year, and I think he had a ton of great games and great carry performances throughout the year. Um, and I just think that his impact on the game was so much higher than every other mid laner that wasn't Fudge or Bjergsen. Yeah, so for me, I, I want to shout out what Derek and I hope there's, I'm saying your name right, in the live chat is saying, he says, kind of surprised about Fudge number two for both of you. And I actually totally understand where that's coming from. I still, I think Fudge is number two still, but I get where that's coming from because the, the mid lane pool did seem weak or to your point, it didn't seem all that influential this split, right? There was a lot of shove and roam or TPs, like you mentioned. Sometimes it's just TPing to your bot lane just to help them not get though, that kind of thing. So I get where that's coming from. The reason why I feel comfortable putting Fudge Number two, though, is because his champion ocean was really, really effective. And I think that's something that, well, I think that's really valuable. And I think that's something that they came into the season with that game plan of Fudge is going to be really, really um, flexible and be able to fill whatever the, the needs are of his team, which I think is what LS's plan was originally with Fudge. With that being said, as far as like performance, I think it's very, very close between Fudge, Takui, Blue, and Jojo Pion. Because um, Jojo Pion was so dominating in the mid lane, but then he would like throw leads and get picked off randomly and stuff like that. So it's like, I had a really hard time with those four mid laners specifically. And if I looked at someone else's list and saw those four in any range from two to five, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. Um, ultimately, it's maybe it's just, I guess, coincidence that you and I went with Fudge. Um, a lot of people are maybe going to point that his teammates were better. That's something else Durkin says in the live chat. But I don't think that was necessarily the case. I mean, of course, his teammates were better than most other mid laners. But I do think a big part of that is him being able to be flexible and help out his team. So that's why I didn't have any problem putting Fudge number two, even if I didn't feel like his split was a number two mid laner performance, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I just don't think you could put anybody ahead of him. Like, I don't think you can make an argument to put anybody ahead of him. Like, I think I would, I would, if somebody were to say like, oh, well, this guy was clearly better than him. Like, I would definitely push back on that because I think where we saw a lot of other mid laners struggle with ups and downs. I think the ones to name are Jojo Pune, Abadage, Takui, and even Blue because Blue had, you know, he had some really solid games, but also some pretty int games. Like, Fudge was just pretty much consistent the entire time. The one game that really only sticks out in my mind of like Fudge having a terrible game was his Lucian mid against IMT, where, and I think that's more credit towards Power of Evil. And Power of Evil played the Ari, and like he was doing a really great job of like landing pretty much every single charm in lane and while setting up her ganks. Like, I think that was the game. Like, Fudge was like 0 3 at 10 minutes into the game. Um, you know, I do think, you know, I won't go too far down the rabbit hole, but like Fudge not taking cleanse in that lane is pretty troll. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I just, I can't point to any poor performances out of Fudge. And I think his landing was also, like, pretty surprising in a good way because we I feel like this transition to mid lane, people were expecting some struggles. And I think while that was sort of apparent at the beginning of lock like, when the season started, like, Fudge is just a solid mid laner. Like, 
Yeah. He doesn't make mistakes. He's not this like Omega Giga carry, but that's not what mid is doing right now. Like mid is a very much more supportive role in terms of the champions that are being played and just the play style of like being a bit AFK in the early game. And I think you look at the other managers like Abadage, Blue, Takui, and Jojo Pune, and they're much more volatile in terms of the way that they like to play and usually results in a lot more mistakes. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of valuing the consistency over the, the volatility of the other four previously mid the other four named mid laners. Yeah, and we mentioned when talking about FlyQuest earlier that like I, I really think Takoy has struggled much as of late, and to me that hurt his standings, honestly. I would have had no problem putting him number two if it weren't for the last two or three weeks where he just hasn't been as effective as he was weeks one through five, for example. Um, I think that's where the, the drop-off has been noticeable for me as far as the mid lane pool is Takoy has looked a lot worse. And I would also say, like JNT has Blue number three, if Blue is playing the way at the start of the season, the way he's playing now, because Blue had a really good weekend, by the way. Um, a lot of times that'll go unnoticed um, when guys like Blue, who aren't very vocal, pop off. He had a great weekend, even though they obviously didn't get the, the wins they wanted. Blue actually looked pretty good. I thought he was definitely the best player on... Dignitas this weekend it's unfortunate that we didn't see that all split long because then I would have been able to put blue on this list but for me I didn't see enough of it and so I couldn't put blue on there and then like I mentioned with Jojo Pion it was like it's I have a hard time putting Jojo Pion anywhere because it's it's like you feel like this guy's so talented but then there's just too many hiccups to ignore and so I couldn't put him on the list yeah um for me and I, th I think you'll kind of agree with this I feel like there's not like there shouldn't be a lot to discuss with top jungle and eighty carry because yeah. no, I don't not. like I to me it's just like so obvious like I think the only the only people the only parts that you could push back on or I think that people would push back on would be Berserker over Hansama and Whippo or someday over Whippo and to that I would just say like just like you just need to pay closer attention because you know. Someday has been playing really, really good. You know, if if not so if not for Summit basically yeah. smacking people around, like in a world where Summit doesn't exist, like someday's the clear number one. Like I I I will say because we want to keep our MVP votes for a later episode. I will say that even though I don't have Someday as the MVP, he was definitely in my mind because and I think he is deserving of being in the conversation. He had a really good split. And he even said I, in his interview after one of their wins this weekend that like he doesn't feel like he's getting the recognition for it. And I felt that I agreed. I agree that he's actually not, which is really weird because I feel like when it comes to like most overrated or underrated player, I feel like someday is always in the conversation at one end or the other um, in his splits. Like there was so long where people were saying this guy's so underrated when he was on like the really bad 100 Thieves team. Like there was like, oh, this guy's a beast, but his teammate sucks. And I remember thinking like, I don't think he's playing that well either. And so like, regardless, someday is always at one end of the spectrum of overrated or underrated. And it feels like he's never in the middle, which is something that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Last thing I'll say is, uh, even though I agree with you that the rest is pretty obvious for top jungle and AD carry, uh, there was a take on Hotline League tonight where they thought Santorin was the MVP. I believe it was. Um, and that's where I was like, mm, no shot. I think he's good. But here's here's what I'll say good. to that. If we're talking about the MVP of ganking mid lane, it's Santorin all day because that's pretty much the TL game plan is they gank mid between levels three to five every single game. So if... If we're basing our MVP around that, you know, Santorin <laughs> is the MVP of ganking mid lane. But uh, you just like, man, I, I feel like Blabber is getting underrated this split because like I do yeah, think that a lot of the talk has been towards Summit. And yes, like don't get me wrong, he is shit stomping kids in lane. But like you look at the rest of the map and 
you know, we kind of talked about it. Like Fudge isn't necessarily this huge carry player, but he does such a great job of playing to the Cloud9 win conditions and playing around Blabber in the early game to just activate him. And like, while I think Blabber hasn't had the the greatest last five games because I think it's been the Cloud9's fault in putting him on these more passive champions. I think he's played Diego three of his last five games. So I said that before. But, you know, you get this guy on the Lee Sin, you get this guy on the Hecarim, you get this guy on the Volibear, like, he just runs over the early game. Regardless, like, even though top's winning, like, he'll go bottom and kill bottom. He'll go mid, he'll kill mid. He'll take every dragon in the early game. Like, he'll win every Rift Herald flip. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Blabber's getting underrated because, like, he is having an MVP-level season. And so we mentioned that we're going to save our MVP for another episode, when probably closer to when they announced that, so probably closer to finals. But... We, what we are also going to do is we are going to do an MIP, which is most int player. Um, J and T are going to do one at both ends, who we think the best player in the league was this split and who was the worst. And so that's where we said earlier, someone in the live chat said, um, I don't know who's worse, revenge or fake God. And that's where I was saying like, well, we're going to talk about that. Just unfortunately not this episode. But what I want from you guys or from people listening is I actually want to know who you guys think is the MVP, but not only just that, but who also is the worst player in the league this split. I think that would be interesting to see what uh, our listeners think. And I, I kind of feel bad because like, look, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I know what it's like when you're listening to a podcast and you're not really at your computer or being able to comment. A lot of people are like sitting in traffic right now when they're listening to this or they're doing the dishes or whatever it is. But I do, if you guys can take the time, I want to know who you guys think is the best player and the worst player this split. Give us your MVPs and your MIPs, and uh, we'll go over them. If, if we get enough responses, we'll go over them in uh, our, a later episode when we talk about the MVP stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, JNT, we got playoffs coming up, man. Yep. Uh, on Saturday, we got our first series of playoffs, 100 Thieves versus Cloud9, and uh, yep. 100 Thieves did smack Cloud9 on Saturday in their most recent matchup. But I think it just makes for a much more exciting series because I don't think that, you know, I think Cloud9 has, they've taken a much more um, passive approach in the early game over the last two weeks in terms of how that, like, like I previously mentioned, with them picking these very greedy drafts where, they are picking these very lane-dominant champions that need to win in order to succeed and be effective in team fights because they require a lot of gold, and they just haven't been winning their lanes in their early games as hard as before. And I think, you know, it, should they get back to, you know, their previous way of, that they've been drafting, with Summit playing a lane-dominant champion, with Blabber playing an early game aggressive champion, with Fudge playing that supportive mid laner, and their bot lane playing something much more stable than this sort of, like, super Alistar heavy approach that they've been doing recently. Like Cloud9 to me is still the favored team in this matchup. Although I do think, you know, the the result on Saturday just makes for a more hype matchup because I do think these teams are still relatively even in skill. I just think, you know, should Cloud9 shift their focus a little bit to what was really making them successful in the middle of the season? I think we'll see Cloud9 come on, on top in this series. I'm going to give it a 3-1 to Cloud9, although I'm expecting a close series. Interesting. So I am very hesitant because I don't really have faith in either team looking flawless at the moment. Um, we've talked at the start of this show as to why, so I won't do a whole deep dive into that. But I will quick, quickly say that I have a little bit more faith in 100 Thieves right now. Um, so I'm actually giving the 100 Thieves the 3-2. The, the biggest problem for Cloud9 is that the place where they get their advantages are jungle and top. And I think that's the best role for 100 Thieves as well. I don't think 
that you can uh, abuse 100 Thieves in this area as easily as they've been able to abuse other teams in this area. So that's why I'm giving 100 Thieves the edge. Um, I think this is going to be, this could be one of the most exciting series or maybe the most exciting series in the whole playoffs. Who knows? Um, I, I hope this one goes five. I think there's a lot of times where we see series that are like close three O's uh, or, or sometimes you get a close three, two, or you get smackings. But I think this is a series where I think there's a high chance that we get a close three, two, and we get an absolute banger. That's what I'm hoping for out of this one. I hope I'm not wrong. Three, two, 100 thieves. Yeah, I'm hoping for a banger as well, because we'll talk about the next series, EG versus team liquid. And I'm not going to lie here. I'm going to be expecting a bit of a smacking. A smacking okay. provided by Team Liquid to EG's cheeks because so, I'm rolling with the 3-0 on TL, unfortunately. We're both going with the 3-0, that means. Um, the thing is, I looked at, like, where is EG going to win this? I give the, the matchup advantage to Team Liquid everywhere. Now, that doesn't mean TL doesn't have their weaknesses. They have thrown games. They have thrown leads. In fact, I remember them throwing a lead against Evil Geniuses the last time they played. I don't know if Evil Geniuses ended up winning the game. I don't remember, but I do remember the throw. And so this stuff does happen. And I do think that EG does have talent. I just think TL has more talent. So I am giving them the 3-0 as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh. Go ahead. No, well, no, I was going to say, I, I do favor Team Liquid in every single role uh, top to bot here. But if I had to pick a winning strategy for Evil Geniuses, it would be get like put top lane in a volatile matchup and then just hardcore play for top lane because Bwipo has, you know, he's been picking a lot of very volatile champions. Like he's been playing a lot of Lucian lately. Um, He's played, you know, he's also kind of like one of the players who's had like a really big champion ocean and is really, is, he's willing to pick whatever he wants and in hopes to smash the enemy laner and, you know, impact throughout his entire career has just done a really great job of being the neutralizer in these volatile matchups where he he will play like he'll play the bruiser he'll play the tank into these like aggressive you know lane dominant style champions and if you don't roll him over like sorry like impact is usually just playing like the more consistent and reliable champion in the mid and late game so if I'm eg I want Bobo to be playing these aggressive top laners um and I want to just play for top and shut that down instantly because you know you look at mid lane uh, I just think you know, Jojo Pion is still, he's still a rookie. And, uh, you know, although he did have a lot of hype coming into the season, like, unfortunately, we kind of saw how this matchup went in lock-in. And they got smacked around hardcore. And that was when EG was looking at their best. And, unfortunately, EG's not looking like that. Um, that But that doesn't mean that EG can't improve and can't have a better showing. But, unfortunately, I just think this is a really bad matchup for EG. I can't pretend, like, the way they've been playing has been in their best interest. They have had a lot of flippy games. We're seeing a lot of different versions of this team. But I still think regardless of that, you lean into what you've been doing. We do know that Danny can be a beast in teamfights. We do know that Jojo Pyun, even though, yes, sometimes he, he falls flat on his face, sometimes he does absolutely pop off as well. So I think you lean into that. You continue to play aggressive. And you just do what you can to try to outplay Team Liquid. I mean, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. But you can't shy away from your style. Put Danny on one of those hyper carries. Let him be a psycho in teamfights and hope that you come out on top. That's the way I look at it uh, for, for EG to find their way to win this. Um, but before we move on, JNT, I can't let you not put up the prediction score oh, for Jesus. this split. Yeah, you're, you're winning. Yeah, I think I'm by one, right? I'm up one, I believe. Uh, where the hell is it? No, you're up two. I'm up two? No, one, sorry. I meant... You, you're, you're plus two over the last two weeks is what I meant to say. Oh, I see. Anyways, yeah. 
I just needed to flex on you real quick, but I will say to, to help you save face a little bit, even though I won spring, you did the same thing last spring. I believe you won spring last year, and then we carry these records over into summer, and last year I ended up winning summer, and we ended up tying at the end of the year. So it is still very close, but I, I just needed that, that one extra win. I needed to pop it up on screen real quick. Yeah, um, this is where I won't make you feel any worse about it. I'm this done, is where I'm done, I so. go ahead and flame Dignitas because two weeks ago I had Dignitas on the 2-0, them beating EG and them beating Golden Guardians because that's when they were 7-6 and six and they were looking pretty decent. And they ended up looking like shite the rest of the way. So Dignitas screwed me out of, of winning this. Um, Just for the audio people... Uh, final at the end of spring split, I was 60 and 30. Blue Jay was 61 and 29. I want to know how good our scores compared to like the LCS analyst desk people. Cause I, I know they do predictions, but I don't ever see if they have like the full score. Yeah. Whatever. They used to count those, but you know, I feel they like... do their predictions all the time. I just haven't seen a tally of them. Yeah. Normally they do a tally, but they just haven't been doing that probably because Look, it feels been like shit. we have a good, a good prediction, right? It feels like we do. However, like, Maybe this just hasn't been a lot of upsets or whatever. Maybe this, this split has been less upset heavy than normal. I don't freaking know. But anyways, um, those will carry over. It's still a very tight race between you and I. We'll carry those into summer and we'll have a good time with that. Uh, let's get into quick news. That's the last thing on the docket. Yeah, we got a little bit. Um, first thing, Peter Zhang, a little update on that situation. He put out a tweet longer a couple days after our most recent episode and a couple days after, you know, that was kind of when all the drama got released. Um, you know. Big twit longer, you know, he apologized for the whole the whole situation, um, especially with Sword Art. Like, that was the main thing that it was sort of targeted towards was that he was apologizing for the Sword Art situation. He didn't deny it at all. You know, he did admit that, like, hey, you know, he did ask me to sell this car and send him the money. I didn't because, you know, I used it to pay, you know, my grandma's medical bills. And, you know, the other the other portion of it was sort of pushing back on a lot of these points made in this Dextero article saying that, he was taking a cut of player salaries and acting as a player agent. Um, but, he's still denying that part, correct? Yeah, he's denying Just that part. I, I did okay. like from reading the twit longer. It did feel like a very sincere twit longer. I, I you know, obviously, like we're in a we're, it's a he said she said thing right now yeah. because there's no real evidence. But as a human being, I, I think I, I I I'm sort of with Peter Zhang on this. Just I don't know I I don't know I just get the feeling that it, it's it's true. So here's the here's the problem I have though. Maybe that like, maybe that's just me being a an emotional person and just like feeling a bit sorry for him. But I don't know I think like uh, the, the the gist that I got from it was that he like you know he was telling the truth and he apologized for the sword art thing and he did admit his wrongdoings there and he didn't deny the fact that he was asking people for money. So mm -hmm. I mean I'm good with it. I the thing is I I understand being like sensitive around these kind of stuff this kind of stuff because again he could be telling the truth. However, when it comes to things like this, like a lot of people that are like manipulative and stuff like that, they are like just really good liars. And so it's like I'm not saying he is lying, but I'm saying I don't fucking know. So it's like I can't just see a twit longer and be like, oh well, it's all good for me. This comes back to what I normally say, and I know this is a cold take, guys, but it's just I'm waiting to hear what comes out of the investigation because I do know that they wanted to do an investigation around this. I don't know where they're at in that investigation. I have no idea. But let me just find out what the facts are from the investigation before I have an opinion on this. Because maybe he is a really nice, authentic guy. And maybe this is really painting him in a bad light. But also, maybe he is a jackass. And, like, I don't fucking know the guy. So I, I'm just going to wait and refrain from judgment. But uh, it is interesting, nonetheless, that 
he made a whole twit longer and admitted to doing some wrongdoing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you said manipulative. Like, I don't really, I didn't get that sort of vibe at all. I think, you know, to Doublelift's point, like, I think it's just a guy who's dumb with his money. And, like, you know, that's a problem for him and himself. But, like, that shouldn't ruin his his sort of... It should is as double as you know said, what like, I mean though. Should... Like people who are manipulative are good at making themselves not look manipulative. And again, I'm not saying he is this way. Okay. I'm just saying like that's just the reality of things. Like that's all. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I sort of do. I like if people kind of heard Doublelift's opinion on this. Like he was of the opinion that like you know this shouldn't be something that ruins his entire career and prevents him yeah. from getting further jobs because the accusations of him being a player agent and taking a cut of his players of his player salaries while coaching them is a very serious accusation and you know should it be yeah. found out to not be true and TSM sort of uh, you know TSM is definitely sort of fabricating things in a way because of, you know, if you read Twit longer and the fact that, like, he said that what he was doing was, you know, it's difficult to transfer, you know, money from the United States to China. And he was just simply acting as the middleman because it made it a lot easier for the players to do so. And I do think it's, you know, sincere. Obviously, like we said, like, we got to wait for the investigation to come out. But, you know, and to I'm, your point, though, I'm, 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 I'm innocent until I'm, I'm innocent until proven guilty in this situation. Yeah. I have no problem with that. And, and like, you, like you mentioned, the players' opinions of him have been that he's not a bad guy. He might be a little bit of a dumb guy, but he's not a bad guy is what the yeah. players are saying. So anyways, we'll wait and see how that turns out. Uh, next up, the LCL spring split um, has been unfortunately canceled due to the invasion of Ukraine. Um, and then that means that the CIS region is not going to be sending a team to MSI. So I still don't even know what the update is on the vcs if they're even playing right now or if they're going to be sending a team to msi but it sounds like we're going to be in a similar situation um with msi this year as last year with them at the very maximum only being 11 teams when i see this i just think of how shit it must be to be a fan of that league like could you imagine like for us we're huge lcs fans could you imagine if for whatever reason it is like just the whole season gets canceled and i realize that's such a small thing in comparison to a freaking invasion going on but it just sucks because like when you ha when people are going through such awful circumstances like fucking war it would be nice if they could at least rely on the things that they always went to for comfort and they can't even do that and it's like jesus man like it's so messed up to me it's just so messed up yeah but for I the mean... people who like don't really know um the lcl and this like that region like that's where the unicorns of love like that's that's where they've been coming out of the unicorns of love have frequently been the international representative uh for that region pretty much since its inception um so you know the unicorns of love you know if people recall they did blow up that entire roster um at the end of last year uh so if they would have been playing it most likely would have been a different team different players Unfortunately for them, you know, the season got canceled. It's a bit of a feels-bad moment. I will shout out yeah. Lamal P. He said VCS are playing. I'll trust him on that. Um, so, you know, it sounds like we'll have 11 teams. I see. Yeah. Uh, next up, we sort of, we want to do a little bit of, I wouldn't say MSI talk, but, you know, playoffs are starting around the world. Um, the LCK, they're well into their playoffs. Uh, the LEC, they just started their playoffs this past weekend. We had some pretty banger series over in the LEC. Misfits versus Rogue, G2 Fnatic, XL Vitality, a little five-game banger. Perks, 1-2 Comfort Zone. I know you're a big LEC guy, Blue Jay. G give, me the, give me the details. Where you should watch, I start? You, well, you, wa you watched first? all the games. I barely watched any of the games. 
Which one should I start with first, though? Give me a series. Okay, well, let's. We're, we don't. We're not going to talk gonna, I'm about. I'm not doing a deep dive here. No, I'm not fine. doing a deep we're, dive. We're, I'm just doing some quick stuff. This we'll do is the ones. Thing, so. We'll do the ones people care about. We won't even talk about Rogue Misfits. Go G2 Fanatic first, because that's the banger everyone cares about. So G2 Fanatic, I, I, I honestly, I just think Fanatic is a much better team. I do still think G2 is a good team, but for me, I did think I fully expected there to be a bot gap, and honestly, Hillisang did actually the one game he inted pretty fucking hard. The game but regardless. Two? Uh, yeah, I don't even remember who he was playing, actually. Who was he playing? Was it Nautilus? I don't fucking remember. But the point is, like, I fully expected Fnatic to be the better team. I know there was talks. Perk was, Perks was coming out and saying, like, if Fnatic is still good, then I just don't trust scrims whatsoever. And it's like, didn't we learn this a long time ago not to trust scrims? Like, I, yes, I know we talked earlier about Cloud9 going 0-15 in scrims and whatnot. That is, like, an extreme, like, 0-15 in scrims. That's where it's like, I trust the extremes, but, like, as far as like Fnatic, how they've played this whole split long, they've looked really good in the LEC. They, to me, have been the number one team, so I fully expected them to come out and win, and they did. The series was good, though. I enjoyed the series. Really good series. Um, the Misfits one, I never thought Misfits was that good of a team. I'm sorry. I am a Misfits doubter, and so them losing, I was not surprised by that. I think Rogue is a good team. I think they're slightly behind Fnatic, so I was happy with that. And then the, the Vitality XL one, God, I was really, really hoping for Vitality to lose. I am an XL fan. I... I'm still happy with how XL played. Um, I don't think that they're supposed to be as good as Vitality. And I think them taking Vitality to five games was great. Was I happy they lost? No. But like there was, there was some easy copium for me to find, seeing that they took it to five games. This is the first time they ever made playoffs. And taking perks to a best of five is, you get a good thumbs up from me. So I guess I'll give them my pop-off award since I haven't given that to anyone this, this episode. Pop-off to Excel, even though their, uh, their playoff run is no longer a playoff run. It's, it wasn't, they didn't even win, honestly. Yeah, it's hard so to call it a run, I guess for LEC next week, they're going to have G2 versus Vitality. So perks, you know, rematch against G2. And then they have Rogue, or no, is it? Where the hell is Misfits then? Is Misfits playing Vitality first? Let me open first? it up real quick. I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Give me 12 seconds. Yeah, I think Misfits is playing Vitality with then the winner playing G2. Vitality's playing G2. Where's Misfits in all this? Who are they playing? Uh, are they in like to this? To be determined. So they're in like the, lo the one spot ahead of the lower bracket? I, I, it must be. I don't have a bracket here. I just have the schedule. I see Vitality's playing G2. I think G2 is going to win that. I see Fnatic playing Rogue. I think Fnatic is going to win that. And I think Misfits probably lose to any team. Maybe Misfits beats Vitality, but I don't know if I don't know how the bracket's working. So I'm just yeah. a dumb. I, I think now that I remember the LEC bracket, Misfits is they're in the lower bracket now, but they're in that like next game after, and will presumably play the winner of Vitality G2. Um, gotcha. I've always been of the opinion that Fnatic's been the best team the whole year, even with Rogue being the first place team. Um, I just like. Their bot lane is just too smurf, man. Like, Wait, who's the best team? What were you Fnatic. Saying? So I've always oh, thought okay, that Fnatic yeah. is the best team in EU. I just think their bot lane is too good. I think their bot lane is like miles ahead in terms of like the gap between Fnatic's bot lane is massive and is bigger than any gap in any other role in the whole league. And like that is just like one of the primary reasons why they're so good is upset in Hillisang. They are quite beastly. Yeah, like they're um, they're they're, the they're at the level, fun. if not better, than Reckless Hillisang. Yeah, playoffs are so much fun to watch. So if you haven't been watching the LEC, this is a good time to get into it. It's been good stuff, and it's always on right before the LCS. The time it works out pretty well. The timing usually LEC ends, and it's pretty close. LCS starts right after, so mm -hmm. would recommend. Uh, next up, there we we like to talk about some LCK sometimes around here. Um, 
LCK finals are already happening next week, actually. Um, April 2nd, in a matter of fact. T1 versus Gen G. Uh, T1, they haven't lost a game or they haven't lost a series all year. Series. Yep. Um, they're looking really, really strong. I think they are the obvious favorite to go to MSI and probably win MSI. Um, you know, obviously the LPL cannot be slept on, but I think at this point, the majority of people recognize that, you know, EU was once in that conversation, but not anymore. Um, mainly because the G2 roster back then was just so good. But you know what, though? Even back then, Team Liquid made it to MSI, MSI finals. And so, like, I think there is a yeah, short fair enough. enough, small enough sample size with, like, such a small tournament that even North America or Europe can push up and, you know, surprise people. So, like, yes, I don't think that EU or North America is anywhere near LCK or LPL, but they always have a chance to take games and to make it there. So it's possible. But I think, you know, a lot of people... Uh, we're talking about the Gen G versus Damwon series that just happened uh, yesterday. I guess yesterday, early in the morning for our NA viewers. Uh, Gen G versus Damwon five game series. Game five was a bit of a banger. Um, I did sort of watch a little bit of that game, and it was just so hilarious to see how a hardcore Peanut was getting shit on, and Gen G being down eleven k gold at yeah, Gen G being down eleven k at one point in that game, and they actually come back and win the game off the back of Chovy just going like sicko mode at a Baron team fight where he like he does like he just does the Chovy thing of hitting every skill shot and dodging every skill shot to kill a backline members of of Damwon. He was smurfing on the Ari. Oh my god, like it was just like Chovy was doing game. some disgusting things in that game. I heard the game was great, but I didn't get to catch it. You J and T knows me. I don't really like to watch games after they've been spoiled. And there's just no way for me to dodge a spoiler for that game this week. Um, like I had too many games to catch up on. I watched all of LEC. There were 17 LCS games this weekend. I don't got time. I, I can't do it. Because also, like, I, uh, for those that don't know, I try to rewatch the games on Monday so we could do prep for this podcast. I didn't even get to rewatch all the games today. Like, there's just no time for me to catch up on that. But I really wish I could have because I heard it was an absolute banger. Or at least, I wish I could have at least watched game five. But yeah, maybe I was, still will, but I'm probably not. Honestly. It was banger quality. As, as much as the game probably pog, I just don't like watching games that I know the outcome of unless, like, I'm watching it for analytical reasons like this podcast, for example. I see. Yeah. Is that it? Yep. Okay. I it's still a decently long episode, but like there was a lot for us to get through. I thought there was a chance this episode was going to go really long. I think we did a pretty good job of cruising through it. Uh, it was still pretty long, for, but we thank you guys for sticking with us throughout the whole thing. We did our best to get through what was, I think, a lot of topics, and we appreciate you guys for that. Um, what the usual shout outs guys if you are not subbed hit that sub button we appreciate that a lot we see the sub button going up slowly every week if we could bump it a little bit more that would be great and uh also remember to follow us hit the follow button on twitch.tv slash clown fiesta podcast um we appreciate you guys jnt anything else Dude, it's just a click away like move that mouse diagonally down to the left click that button man Hit them sub buttons. Too, we like uh, to see the uh, number go up. Like, give give us them primes if you got them. Um, yeah, guys, playoffs is gonna be sweet. Get get hyped for playoffs. We hope you guys enjoy them. We certainly will, and we hope to see you guys here next week. This has been episode seventy nine of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Goodbye.